Then if that's the case, why can't I go sign up some slaves? Adam Curry, John C. Dvorak. It's Thursday, August 12, 2010. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 225. This is no agenda. Confident the hot tub is not a good place to be. And coming to you from the Hilltop Watchtower, Crackpot Command Center, Gitmo Nation West, in the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, I am the patently unemployable former Soviet spy known as Adam Curry. Eh... And from North Silicon Valley, with a much simpler introduction, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Crackpot and Buzzkill in the morning. In the morning to you, John. In the morning to you and in the morning to uh, everyone uh, in the field and all ships at sea. And in the morning to all of our human resources charged up and ready to go at noagendachat.com and all the new human resources listening to the program for the first time who... uh, found out about us on the Adam Carolla show. I did some PR work, you see. Yeah, I, I suspect the numbers will be skyrocketing. He's got a big show, man. Don't uh, don't knock it. He's like always number two or number one on iTunes. He's got, he's got a pretty big show. I never heard it. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's, it's okay. I know he's getting a lot of grief for doing it. What do you mean he's not? He's not getting grief. I think his fans love him for it. No, his fans. I'm talking about the other people that still are stuck in old media. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, he got fired. You know what's he going to do? They kicked him off. They changed the whole station under his ass. And so, what's he going to do? Yeah, I know what he could do. He could do what Smart Money's doing, (laughs) and that is go to work for the Fed. Yeah, federal government. That is. (laughs) That's right. Become a teacher. Do, do something well, you can like do that. do any of these things. Here, let me just read you from this. This came out. I've got to send you the link. It's got to go on the show notes. It's okay. from USA Today. They took a look at some of the numbers. And the pay rates, in average, the average pay rate compensation in 2009 for a federal civilian worker, not a military, civil, a federal civilian worker, the average is $123,000. Are, are you kidding me? That's a, that's a lot of dough, man. The, that's the average. The wow. average state and local government nationally uh, employee is 69913 and the average private enterprise, the, the people, the normal people. The, the slaves. The slaves. The slaves, 61000 <laughs> Wasn't there some big fracas in California that... Uh, like the state controller was making $700,000 a year or something. And- oh, there's a bunch of people making t- millions. <gasps> the federal compensation advantage has grown from $30,000 a year in uh-huh. 2000 yeah. to 61998 God, who's counting? Damn. That's the advantage. That, in other words, in other words they, they, they were making 30000 more than private, but now it's 61000 more than private. Unbelievable. And, and here's the kind of the interesting thing about this, and people should be irked about this, is that, you know, with with the SEIU and all these unions that are that can pressure the federal government to give them more money, those unions are very effective in government. They should be outlawed. They're effective because when you're a unionized company that's in, in the private sector and you ask for more money, that affects the bottom line. All the bookkeeping has to change. Everything has to be accounted for. With the government, there's no you don't lose your profits. You don't get screwed by giving the, the employees more money. You just go to Congress and say we need more money. <laughs> Print they, some up, hey, Fred, and Bernanke. they steal it from the private sector. <laughs> yeah, 
and give it to them. It's value for value. It's so now it's $123,000. If you're working for the Fed, that's your average pay in the federal government is $123,000. You know, I picked a, a really good week to, to quit my day job, John. I, <laughs> I have uh, over 300 links in the show notes. I got up at 5 again this oh, morning. Oh, jeez, you're going to kill our, our listeners. Well, actually, I have a, uh, I'm, I'm going to do something different with the show notes. Because, you know, I publish them in uh, OPML, which is the Outline Processor Markup Language, an XML derivative uh, but also just in in HTML in the show notes. But I, I think I'm in the show notes. I'm going to do some kind this, like some kind of widget thingy I can use so that all of the categories are are um, collapsed so that it doesn't take up the whole page. Oh, and that's you a good can idea. Expand them. Yeah, I don't know what it does for our indexing or anything. But frankly, I don't care. Uh, oh, just as long as uh, oh, this is the link. Thank you. Let me put that. Oh, in it makes there. noise on the show. Yeah, <laughs> this is the irritation link. What do we put that under? Let's put that under finances. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, no, but it's uh, it, man, I'm I'm happy I've got the time now to do this. It's just it's outrageous. The, the, I wouldn't know where to start the show. There is so much happening, particularly under the headings Ministry of Truth and Gitmo Nation. It's just outrageous. Well, I think we maybe should uh, thank our producers before we begin. Oh, we have producers. Good. And it's, you know, a little, uh, although I'm still annoyed by this. I mean, I should, you know, I used to work for the government. I should have just stayed there. <laughs> yeah. Who needs this aggravation? Hey, you can go back. Can't you, can't you moonlight on this show, I even though, even though little, you're working uh, for the government? You know, I can moonlight, but I don't think the government, you know, they're, they have, uh, they're a bunch of ageists. They wouldn't hire me. <laughs> there's, there's nobody to answer to. You know, they can be ageists. They don't care. <laughs> what are they going to do if somebody calls them on it? Ah, too bad. Pound salt. Yeah. yeah. No, no, you can't pound salt. That's illegal, too. Stop it. Can't have salt a pound. So uh, Paul Couture is responsible for three more uh, Order of the Mint. Uh, Nights, yeah. This is the night. Which the- we'll have to also make uh, executive producers. Okay. And Rattle that them is, off. Uh, and those are $1,000 each. Victor Osterdahl from Hanig, Sweden. Mm-hmm. Stephen Lowe from Birmingham, UK. Mm-hmm. And Glenn Mercer from New Orleans, Louisiana. Now, this is from uh, the No Agenda Coin Challenge, which you can find at noagendafans.com. I believe now there is a coin sold, and these are $33.33. There's now a coin sold in 46 of the continental United States. So we're almost, we've almost blanketed the entire country. And the way it works is uh, every week, uh, until and almost all 500 of the run are, are sold, I think there's like uh, 20 or 30 left. Every week, uh, $1,000, uh, which is, I think, what is it, like now 60 or 70% of the of the profits or the proceeds? I mean, the guy's making no money, so he's sending it all to us, which is amazing. Um, one of uh, the coin purchasers is pulled at random, receives a uh, exclusive uh, black, what is it, uh, a black No Agenda Challenge coin, and is made a uh, a knight in the order of the mint, and of course also automatically an executive producer, which is uh, phenomenal. Hey, where are all the other initiatives like uh, Sir Paul Couture? And uh, Paul Couture, by the way, is also an executive producer. Of course, because yeah, and so the total will be like like over twelve thousand dollars when he's done. Yeah, something like that. And he's also blanketed twenty three countries. 
Wow. He wants us to know that. So we also have a regular executive producer, Charles Jordan, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who gave us 333-33, who's going to build it up to... Uh, a knighthood? Is a knighthood. Mm-hmm. Deborah Hutchinson's Mooresville, Indiana, 274. Um, Wait, isn't she from Zydeco's? I think she is. Yeah, right. She's from Zydeco's. I think she sent us a note. Unfortunately, it wasn't in the No, it, it, I know what it is, that uh, uh, Zydeco is still giving away 10% of their uh, of their take. Zydeco's restaurant there in uh, in Indianapolis. Uh, 10% of the take goes to, uh, goes to the show. And uh, she's uh, building up her knighthood as well. Uh, her damehood, her, her uh, and, regular, and also, by the way, Stephen Palsmachers, and I don't know why he's not on this database, but he came in at the last minute, and it's possibly we had a crossover issue because it. We, we, but Palsmachers in for um, five hundred plus dollars. Holy crap! This is great. Wow, I appreciate this. And uh, associates, Palsmacher, of course, is our longest term supporter. Uh, he's a patron. We have to give him a special title. Uh, Greg Birch uh, donated two hundred fifty dollars for his for his son Michael Birch, who will be uh, named the uh, executive producer. Okay, uh, he's heading off to school. Needs to build an art portfolio and designed uh, a Black Knight uh, pin. So we that's a pin that we have to uh, we can we're going to send to to uh, our knights. They're going to be sent from Port Angeles, Washington. Okay, uh, Wouter. Selgi, well, this one you're gonna have to pronounce for me. <laughs> Wait a minute, do I have him on the spreadsheet? Wouter. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try oh, Wouter. No, he's not. He's not an executive producer. He is a uh, associate. Mentioned later, so I won't have to worry about his pronouncing his is, name. Is he not an associate? He says, "Call me Walter." That's one thing uh, I have to say. But is he not an associate? No, he's only no, not yet. Okay. So uh, no associates. We only have executive producers. Is that what what you're saying here? No, no. Uh, 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 Deborah and Greg are both, and Greg's son Michael are both associates. Okay, but Stephen is full blown. Pelsmockers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, see, once again, all you have to do is show up and bumble through the spreadsheet. Good job. You're welcome. Yes. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. A couple of uh, PR mentions then before we move on. As I already said, uh, welcome to all the uh, new listeners to the show who. Uh, I know that you're out there because uh, they've been emailing me since my appearance on the Adam Carolla show yesterday. Uh, also this week, we were featured in a, uh, a thank you to uh, the new podcast team at iTunes. They put us on the homepage, which is really nice, with our, uh, with our artwork and, uh, and a link, which uh, should push us up in uh, some listenership as well, as well as on the homepage of the, the Miro Guide podcast directory which apparently is good for a lot of impressions and um let's see uh there's a new site but i don't think it's up yet but i did like the idea noagendawords.com so i wanted to mention that to spur on the producer who was working on that producer project uh, whenever we come up with a word uh like we had uh, what do we have the other the other day we had uh, expunge you know, just good words to use to throw out at cocktail parties. Uh, so I'm hoping that uh, gets rolling. And I just want to call out Nokia as the absolute... Uh, Douchebag! Douchebags of the week. So uh, there's been an initiative to try and get a, uh, um, a Nokia app, which they have this little widget at the OV store. OV! At the ovary store over at Nokia. And you basically just hand off your, your podcast feed URL... 
And then uh, it's supposed to bake a, uh, a little widget that you can load onto your phone. And uh, this has been going on for how long now, John? This is like two months, three months? It's been a while. Yeah. So they finally, so after it's like, you know, we yeah, had. They're to, very, yeah, yeah, I don't want to get into it, but. Uh-oh, they're losing. They're like a rudderless ship at the point. I lost you there for a second. You said you didn't want to get into it. But apparently nobody else wanted to get <laughs> Well, the only thing I thought was funny is that we were re- rejected for a number of reasons. But the, the number one reason that, and this email just came in today, for offensive content and offensive language such as the F word, the S word, and the N word. I'm like, well, that's an out and out lie. Yeah, unless we've gone out of our way not to use the N word. Yeah, unless the, the new N word is basically Nokia. Oh, that could be. Yeah. I just thought that was pretty unbelievable. It's like, wow. Anyway, and I wanted to test something on you, John, before we uh, get rolling here. Because I don't know. So I, Nokia is now the uh, the the, uh, the police. They're policing yeah. podcasts yeah. of yeah. language. Yeah, of course. Of course. Why? Shut up, Shut up slave. None of your we business. Get, we get it. We're on the uh, iPhone. They don't police podcasts for language there, and they're they're more you're real crazy about this sort of thing. Yeah. What's Nokia got a hair up its ass for? I don't know. I don't know. But I had to call them out. I want to test something on you before we move ahead, John. There's this app, and I don't know if it works. It's called Stealth Tones, and uh, what this does is uh, it emits uh, tones that apparently at certain age ranges you cannot yeah. hear. No, it does work. We've already tested it. When did we test? I, I didn't test it. When did you no, test we, it? No, we. I'm talking about we people on my side of of the uh, of the virtual fence here. We have tested it. Well, I just want to test it with the chat room for a second. Okay, so if you are uh, under 24, you should be hearing this. I don't. Wait, hear hold a on thing. a second. Do you hear anything? No, but you're running it at such a low bit rate as possible that it's not coming through anyway. Well, I don't know about that. That, that bit rate has nothing to do with the with. Well, maybe it does. Sure it does. It compresses the frequency. Well, let's see. This is uh, if you're uh, younger than 30, you should be able to hear this. I don't hear it. This is if you're younger than... Mickey can hear these, by the way. If you're younger yeah, than in 39... Yeah, in your room there, but she can't hear it coming over the net. I don't know about that. This is 39. Wait. Yeah, see, this works. That's 60. You hear that one, right? No. <laughs> I can barely hear you. I have to turn up the speakers if I'm going to hear this because I get... Forget about it. Uh, never mind. Hey, let's thank uh, our executive producers for the show. Uh, for episode 225, Victor Osterdahl, Stephen Lowe, Glenn Mercer, Paul Couture, Sir Paul, I should say, Charles Jordan, and Stephen Pelsmachers, Sir Stephen Pelsmachers, Associate Executive Producers, Michael Birch and Deborah Hutchinson. As you know, this is a real credit, and uh, you should start, a couple of people here in this list can start stacking them up. And it's uh, no difference between having executive producer credit on uh, CSI as it is on No Agenda. It's an official Hollywood credit. And, of course, we will vouch for you. Everybody else out there, go out. Tell your kids to propagate the formula. It's this. Our formula is this. We go out. We hit people in the mouth. Well, I'm figuring uh, there's a couple uh, things we can talk about right off the bat, but I'd like to save some of them. There's just a ton of stuff going on. Uh, and uh, not one, but two, two to the head moments this past uh, past week. What was the second one? Well, 
Oh, the, uh, the second one was actually the first one. Of course, uh, we'll have to talk about uh, uh, Senator Ted Stevens. Yeah. Uh, the first one came early in the week. Matt Simmons. Matt's- oh, yeah, right. Yeah, Matt Simmons. Well, that's not a very nice way to talk about someone who was just blown off. <laughs> that's not. That's not very nice. You know what's weird about the Simmons story is that there were three reports and they were all different on how he died. Yeah, it started off with a, for, was a heart attack, then it was in his swimming pool, and then it was in his hot tub. And we know that the hot tub, of course, is uh, the, the new preferred method for the, uh, for the CIA of offing somebody. Um, you know, the, you can either uh, drown in your hot tub or you can pull the cover over and suffocate. I mean, a- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's a, it's a common thing you want to do is common- pull the cover over your own hot tub while you're in it. <laughs> so Matt Simmons, of course, famously uh, uh, was criticizing BP uh, for the oil spill and uh, the government and BP for the handling of the oil spill. He's also, by the way, I think the propagator of the meme of peak oil. Uh, which I personally do not subscribe to. Well, he propagated peak oil. He also said that by the end of July, BP would file file for bankruptcy. The guy has been, I have a tape of him in 2006 uh, talking about oil selling for $300 a barrel by 2007. The guy is just a, uh, he's, he's dead. just a troublemaker. He's dead. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, you know, in this case, it's, uh, we, we get less disinformation now. Well... Then maybe you have some theory about why they killed him because I don't see it. I think you. I think you just you called it. He was just a troublemaker, and it was like enough of this guy because he was on television all over the place. Way. Nah, they just they couldn't call him enough of an idiot or a kook because he came up with that whole peak oil thing, and they just had to get rid of him. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I think so. I think this is a clear. Come on, John. This is a clear case of two to the head. Well, I mean, it fits all the earmarks. I mean, all that was missing was being a hot in a hot tub in a small plane. Yeah, <laughs> and committing suicide. <laughs> Let's save the uh, the Stevens crash because I have a I definitely have a theory on that, and it's not what you think it would be. Okay, so, well, good because I have a theory to beat your theory. Well, you want to? You, you want? No, 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 no. You, you want to get into it now, boy? Is that what? No, no, no. Let's do something else. Let's uh, let's let's ease into the show. And uh, there's plenty of other things to talk about. All right. (laughs) So some poor German woman was killed in Union Square while a couple of gangsters were having a shootout. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And now they apparently they can't charge any fire. They they got cameras all over the place, right? This is our great camera society spying on everything we do. Oh, you mean the gunshot detectors? Yeah, the gunshot detectors, and of course they could. They got they got videos of all this stuff, but they can't identify anybody. So Wait, they don't Union know, so Square, they... San Francisco, Union Square. Yeah, like, like on Gary and Mason. Wow. And this is to, by the way. So I'm warning people out there. This is a public service that we do on the No Agenda Show. Don't go to San Francisco as a tourist, especially if you're German, because you're going to get shot. <laughs> you're going to get off. <laughs> You're expendable if you're chairman. Some like a, 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 an anniversary. She's you know with her husband, and they were here to celebrate and all the rest of it. And she just takes takes one step outside the hotel, uh, which is right in Union Square, and gets gunned Boom. down in Boom. San Francisco. This is a, not a place to be. No, it, and nor is it a place to be when it comes to the new. Uh Parking meters. Have you been following this? We've talked about the parking meter thing is a complete fiasco. Don't get me started. Well, I got to get you started because now the the new smart parking meters are going to do 
so-called demand-responsive pricing. And which I challenge. I challenge this bull crap because I'll tell you right now, <laughs> the whole area around that, the Mevio offices, there's millions of these parking meters. Nobody parks in them because there's free parking down the street. So the things are all empty. So by the by virtue of that theory, I should be able to walk up to one of those meters and put a nickel in and get an hour. It's still five minutes for 25 cents. So the uh, smarter parking meters, which you'll be able to pay with a credit or debit card and soon with a special SFMTA card, will automatically adjust parking rates based upon supply and demand, which means, according to this article, you would pay anywhere between $0.25 cents an hour, right, to $6 an hour, right. They don't even give the, the, the real top rate here. $6 an hour is what it is around the Mevio offices. 20, which I believe is correct if I do my math right. Yeah. Uh, and they are, there's nobody parking in these things. How come the price hasn't gone down now? Have you tried it when, when it was empty? Yeah, it's the same. Really? And, and this is the new smart parking meter? Well, I mean, they are smart. They got the, the thing. I don't know. They look smart. They got the little thing where you <laughs> stick a card in. Yeah. They have the little bubble thing to let you. That's they, it. They have these yeah. little sensors in the street. Yeah. To make sure that you actually move your car because you can't actually put money in the meter and then put more money in the meter later. Uh, I mean, it's just a scam. Parking meters and the whole parking system was originally designed to keep traffic flowing. So the idea was you'd park your car and you were you made a gentleman's agreement with the city. And you still see this with the blue discs in France and elsewhere. Uh, you make a gentleman's agreement that you park and you will be gone after an hour or so, depending on what the rates, you know, how long they let you stay. And so your, the idea was you'd park and then you'd go and you'd park and you go. It was never meant to be a, a source of income for the city. And then some bean counters showed up and said, you know, we can make money off of these meters. Yeah. Just jack up the price. All right. I, I, I won't get you started. They should take the meter. You know, they've tried to put meters in the little town I live in over and over again, and then the voters get pissed off, and they, we have no meters in this. Did I just lose you? The parking meters should be removed from every city. <laughs> it, for one thing, it's just overhead that it costs money. It, I don't even think it pays for itself. You get, you get some more government employees driving Making around. Making $129,000 uh, $129, a year driving around in a truck. It's ridiculous. Get rid of them. All right. Portugal, starting today, has the dubious honor of being the first country in the Western world to have a law that imposes limits on salt content in bread. Finally. Oh, great. Tasteless bread. Yep, yeah, they've finally taken it further than any other country. This, of course, being part of the Codex Alimentarius and the Assault on Salt. Produce, produce and... Uh, let's see, uh, uh, here it is. Uh, produce and bread with more than 1.4 grams of salt shall be punished with fines of up to 5,000 euros. <laughs> Brother. How do you test that? How do you test how much salt is in bread after it's already baked? Oh, that's not, not hard. Really? No, no, you can just dissolve it in a limited amount of water and do an do a easy test. That probably is easy to do. The salt's going to dissolve into the into the liquid that you use, and it's you titrate it with something. You figure out how much salt there is. It's probably brain dead easy. Is uh, is that enough? One point four grams of salt is that enough to to make it taste good? Or I doubt it. Mm-hmm. There you go. You are officially the first country in Gitmo Nation to have your food actually altered. Well, you know the Portuguese are you know amongst those group the pigs. 
Uh, Portugal, Italy, Ireland, yeah, that, Greece, and yeah. Spain. And they are uh, probably just knuckling under to anything because they, they, they took big advantage of becoming an EU member and modernized their entire country. It's gorgeous over there, a great place to visit. It if is, you want a yeah. vacation, go there instead yeah. of San Francisco. We'll yeah. be better off. <laughs> and the food will be better for sure. You won't get shot. You won't get shot. But so they're probably just, you know, they're going along with any programs just so that the pressure is taken off of them, you know, so nobody's going to start looking at them to, to bust them, bust them, you know, bust them down like they did with Spain. Well, the United- so they put up with this crap. They'll probably just cheat the system. I get this, the sense that the Portuguese are old school. You know, they... Uh, I think they they pull a little like you know yeah yeah, yeah, no, yeah whatever bread the test and they they make one loaf with no salt in it. They, <laughs> well, we'll see. Five thousand euros is a pretty and hefty then I fine. Do random inspections from the grocery store, oh. and you know, then you say, hey, they lie. Somebody put salt on it. It's bull crap. Here, here's the salt. Here's the salt free loaf. And as an average salt, they can make a couple salt-free loaves for people who can't have any salt, and then make them yeah. salted up stuff. Of course, the good news is drugs are legal in Portugal, so. Yeah, well, yeah. There's, there's there's always a silver lining. Uh, the United Nations has come out. Uh, they, of course, are the ones behind the whole Codex Alimentarius push. And uh, they're basically saying that, you know, we, we really can't go on like this, eating pigs and cows. We need to eat insects. That <laughs> oh, yeah, you beat me to that story. <laughs> That's a, it's a great story. They let them eat bugs. <laughs> Hot pockets filled with bugs. That's you exactly know, the thing about this story, which gets to me, is like, uh, they don't, second. you know, this is, all part of, this is all part of a vegan uh, global warming agenda to keep us from eating meat. By the way, who says that Hot Pockets aren't already filled with bugs? It could be. <laughs> it could we don't be. know. You could have to test for it. Yeah, it's Simple easy. Test brain dead easy. So anyway, the um, yeah, it's so about the, it's against meat. That's correct. It's it's, a, it's a, all it's a, all about meat, vegetarians and the vegans and well, the, wait, the, wait, there's the, more to it, John. It's, Sorry, it's there's more to it. It's uh, let me just tell you the exact statement. Uh, it's to cut levels of meat consumption worldwide as part of the United Nations commitment to stamp out famine and and cut global warming. Yeah, the science is in. Let them eat bugs. Yeah, so so they come out. So here, can you imagine the meetings? How are we going to introduce this to the public? I don't think some people are going to like the idea of eating bugs. Well, you know, I think if we just kind of slowly bring them into it, they'll be eating bugs. You know, we just have to. And the funny thing was, now, now that you mentioned this, I re- realized that I got a uh, a package about oh six months ago, and I don't know if I, I don't think I mentioned it on the show. I didn't think about it, but it was some green initiative. Sending out uh, chocolate-coated grasshoppers. Yep. And so I got, like, this pack of chocolate-coated grasshoppers, and my daughter and her friend, uh, they both ate one. Yeah. And said that they were They were delicious. They were delicious. They were. They said they were good. They were. Cr- it's like eating a. It's like eating a Kit Kat bar. It's got that crunch in it. You know that crunchy. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a Kit Kat. You know, only with a real cat inside. No. So anyway, it was like this little bug, and you try, and I refused to eat it. And it had like green. It had a bunch of green logos, and it's good for you. It's good for the environment. And all this other crap. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of awards. 
Well, you can. Uh, I mean, this is being uh, integrated already. By the way, on um, celebrity, this is telling the people what they what the what these governments really think of you out there. Yeah, that you should up. just be eating <laughs> worms and bugs and roaches. I am telling you, in our lifetime, John, we will see hot pockets. Hot pockets with bugs, and it'll be and it'll have labels of greenness on it. But from uh, edible.com, you can now get uh, uh, a pack of giant toasted ants. Mm. Yes, uh, they are uh, an inch long, these toasted ants. And they have a, a, a nutty, bacon-like taste with an earthy, spicy kick. <laughs> they are, according to the marketing... Well, the perfect, when we go into famine mode, these, these things will be, you know, at least we'll have something to... Uh, it's the perfect party snack. For, book, I have a book for the uh, No Agenda Book Club and the rest of these people who have documented our, our entertainment site. Yeah. It's called... I have to... Let me get dig up the author. <laughs> but the, the book title is called Unmentionable Cuisine. Mm. And this is done from, I believe it was the University of North Carolina Press. And it, it's a cookbook <laughs> that is huge. It's pretty big. And it's a do, this, this professor documented every recipe in the world for like dog and rat and, and cat and various bugs and worms and, and strange things that you wouldn't think you could eat. And uh, in fact, most of the recipes for the rat uh, were developed by the French during the French Revolution where the French had to eat something other they had nothing to eat and so they were started eating the rats of paris and some of these recipes are pretty interesting i mean because the french you know they if you're gonna eat rat you might as well make it taste good when we get get into the show a little bit further on i i think there is some validity to this and i think there's some reasoning behind the fact that they're starting to get us accustomed to the idea of eating bugs uh because we do have some major food problems on the horizon and if you look at the futures of wheat um, you know, there's there we are on the verge of some very very significant problems, uh, particularly when you look at the weather world worldwide right now. Well, you know, of course, the wheat fields of Russia are burning, so they're going to stop their wheat exports. So you might want to think about uh, buying some wheat futures. The by the way, I think and then the thing, the next thing they're going to do is they're going to have us eating boogers. <laughs> Uh, the juveniles were always against him. <laughs> yeah. Bug pockets. Now, from the people who brought you hot pockets, we bring you bug pockets. Yum. Great party snack. Tasty and good for you. But yeah, boogers are next. Eh, no problem. I uh, think most of the people in the United Nations already do that, by the way. <laughs> eat boogers? Mm. So, uh,. I noticed in your clips you didn't have anything uh, about uh, Naomi Campbell. Yeah, I know. It's a shame. I kind of just, I didn't even pay any attention. To what, what's the latest? Well, let me just fire up the... Uh... And now, back to real news. So, um, Naomi Campbell, we now have full testimony from her. And uh, also from her former agent, Carol White... And uh, this thing is, it, it, you could turn this into a, into a mini-series. I mean, literally a movie of the week. It's so amazing. But, of course, the best testimony comes from uh, Mia Farrow, and i just like to play some of that. Uh, at the International Criminal Court in The Hague, I might uh, remind Farrow, you. At this breakfast table. And by the way, who are all these people, these judges, on this Starfleet command? Didn't we play this last show? No, we didn't play Mia Farrow. Did we play me? No, no. It was my wish had come true that she would testify. Yeah, and that that was a clip. No, it was, I don't think so. 
Well, that's okay. We can play it again. Well, but but let me ask you this. You're always calling me on these. Rep- no, I, I, I may be wrong, but it's it's just too nutty. But this this international criminal court. Who are these judges? Who are these people? You know, they're wearing like red capes. And, that. Yeah, I mean, they, they they wear red red garbs. Yeah, they're wearing costumes. It's a kangaroo court. <laughs> it's, 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 it's ridiculous. And the fact that anybody pays any attention or takes it seriously or thinks we should be members and, and be subject to their edicts is beyond me. Well, just in, just in case I, uh, I, we already played Mia Farrow, let me play you the testimony from her former agent, Carol White, and the rebuffing that goes on from... Uh, uh, Charles Taylor, evil warlords. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, didn't play those. Attorney, no, he didn't play that. Nor did we actually play Naomi Campbell's full testimony, which it's just hilarious. I've been looking for finding the full testimony. I have not found yeah, it. Yeah, I've I've got most of it. So this is from uh, Sky News, and here is uh, uh, what's her name again? Uh, Carol White. About the arrangements at the end of the dinner that some men had been dispatched to Johannesburg, which was about two hours away, I believe to collect some diamonds and to bring them back to the guest house. Was there discussion about the arrangements at the dinner table? So this is the, uh, uh, the lawyer for uh, Taylor, the, uh, the guy who uh, was using blood diamonds to buy uh, weapons. Um, maybe with Naomi, but I knew about that after the dinner when we stood up and talked with the Minister of Defence, and I believe Charles Taylor was there for a second, about the logistics of getting these diamonds to Naomi Campbell. Did you hear any discussion about arrangements at the dinner table? I don't really recall. Well, try and help us, please. Did you hear any arrangements being made at the dinner table as to how the diamonds were to be delivered. I heard about the diamonds being delivered, and it was my understanding it had already started. Uh, the men had already started on their journey, and I heard that so, at the so, end of the dinner. So these guys actually wait, were... Wait, 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 wait. So in other words, so in other words there was information... Before, before she, she even... Because it, they were talking about it at the dinner table with Nelson Mandela, I might point out. Oh, yeah. Clean as a whistle he is, but we've got to we got to listen to Naomi Campbell because it's just too funny when you hear this horrible woman who who commits acts of violence upon people with objects of hardness like cell phones, and uh, she was flirting with this Charles Taylor. I got pictures in the show notes of her like grabbing his ass almost and on a you know in like a group picture, and she's like all hugging him, and she knew. She's like, I'm oh, getting, yeah. I'm getting a diamond, and the, and of course she was really disappointed when they turned out to be a couple of dirty rocks. It was a bizarre, too sight. stupid to yeah, know what what diamonds look like in the rocks. Wait, wait a minute, hold on a second. Oh, hold on, yeah, what, what, what? The clip's going. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm uh, yeah, I, you know, I think there's a there's a there's a little discrepancy here that's worth noting. Mm-hmm. She gave these. She got these rocks. She obviously wanted them. Uh, and the, the dirty rocks, and but but when she talked to Mia Farrow, and I don't doubt Farrow's uh, account of this. At least yeah. to, you know she's a little nutty, but she she says, "Oh, I just got this big diamond." I'm thinking she got a big diamond and a couple she, of dirty rocks and a couple of little ones, and she gave the little ones to her attorney, saying, "Get rid of these things." I, you know, I can't probably can't get them out of the country, and then smuggled the big diamond. There's places in your body you can hide a rock. Mm-hmm. And uh, left the country with, and she still probably either still has it, or she had it made into a, she had it cut. Who knows? 
Well, let's listen just for That's a second. That's just my, I don't know yeah, this. Part. Yeah, well, apparently they were already talking about it before she got them that evening. And it's, the whole thing is, uh, it just it just shows you how elitism works. It's sleazy. Yes, it Behaved is. against her will to give evidence under oath. I solemnly swear on the Bible. Now, why, since when does the Bible have anything to do with the International Criminal Court? She's standing there swearing on the Bible. I, I, I need to understand how this thing works. That I will speak the truth. That I will speak the truth. The whole truth. The, the whole, whole truth. truth. And nothing but the truth. And nothing but the truth. The supermodel was asked whether she was given conflict diamonds by the African dictator Charles <laughs> Taylor at this charity dinner held by Nelson Mandela in 1997. When I was sleeping, I had a knock at my door, and I opened my door, and two men... Uh, were there and gave me a pouch, a pouch and said a gift for you. Yeah, we ran this you last week. You know what time? Yeah, right. Well, people can go. I mean, there's, there's a lot of gems in here. We didn't run the whole thing, but it's okay. I, I can tell you're bored. It's fine. It's okay. Well, she beats around the bush. Well, uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, the thing that really gets me is just looking at this footage and looking at this court. What is this court? Who are these people? Who died and, and made them God? And why do we have to swear on the Bible? You know, is this a, a court that, uh, you know, by whose laws? How does it work? And, well, we know why it's in the Netherlands. Because, of course, that is elite central. But it's just, uh, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Their, their get-ups and it's just, uh. Yeah, no. I find the whole thing abhorrent. <laughs> yes, it's a great word. Anyway, what's going to come of it, and what are they going to do? And what's why is Charles Taylor locked up by these people in the in the Hague? Yeah, and how come Nelson Mandela gets a free ticket? I mean, it was at his house. Yeah, well, a crime was committed in his house. In? A crime committed in his house. Yeah, I don't know. Next. Okay. Uh, let me hop on the Haiti train for a moment then. A little more information about Wyclef Jean and uh, the aircraft, because, uh, of course, that's where some of my expertise lies. This is uh, when he was uh, departing onto the tarmac uh, in his politician getup, as he is now uh, more than likely going to become the president of Haiti. Uh, he stepped out of a Gulfstream 4 with tail number November 254 Gulf Alpha. Um, so I've gotten a little more information. Uh, this is actually owned by, or, or leased by, I'm sorry, we know it's owned by the Gulfstream Corporation, but leased by NetJets Middle East Limited. Now that should ring a couple bells. Um, and I've looked at some of the uh, passenger manifests. It is often used by Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, and, and... And who? Bill Clinton. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Good yeah, call. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like How so, did you find uh, that out? Hey, well, this is, I mean, so much information is available. I'm sure they'll lock this down now so that you can't find any more information on this plane. It'll become a black plane. Uh, or he just won't use it anymore. Um, but yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's very obvious. And what Sean Penn ineloquently said is true. The guy is sponsored by... Uh, Big corporations, big oil, that's what the whole Haiti thing is about. Uh, they've sold off pieces of the island, actual pieces of the island, to an oil refinery. We've uncovered that on a previous episode of No Agenda. 
um, to create a huge refinery. Ships can pull right up, no problem. And Billy Boy Clinton will be responsible for uh, all the nice hotels and casinos. On the North Shore. On the North Shore. So what's the, uh, does Sean Penn bring up the, the Clinton stuff? No. No, he didn't. Yeah. He, he just said he just said corporations, which I think. Uh, although so he, the, didn't, he didn't, he doesn't see the Clinton connection to any of this. I mean, he might, but the, you know, he flakes nah, out. Right. No, he, 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 flakes out. he flakes out. He flakes out. He's a good guy. But there is there is good news. Uh, the Bush, the Clinton Bush Haiti Fund, has uh, finally publicly awarded some money uh, to uh, see if I have the guy's name here. Um. Uh. To the artists of Jacmel, $50,000 to uh, this artist who uh, his trademark is making paper mache uh, sculptures in Haiti. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's like government work. $50,000 to a guy who makes paper mache. Meanwhile, you know, in Haiti, in Haiti, <laughs> where they get paid a quarter a, a day. Ask Sean Penn what he could do with fifty thousand uh, dollars to help some people who are dying. It's it's just unbelievable. And then this is a new story. Yeah, this is great. Although not a massive sum, the story reads. <laughs> it is for that guy. Yeah, the grant will fund the rebuilding of ten ateliers destroyed in January's earthquake, and literally put new roofs over the heads of a team of artists. Oh man. Huh. Yeah, exactly. So um our eyes are on you, Billy Boy and Wyclef Jean Boy. Yeah. And all the good it does. Yeah, no, well we'll we'll keep our eyes. We can just keep exposing. That's about all we can do. I mean we have no power. Right? So uh let's get back to the Ted Stevens thing now. Okay. Although I do have a little bit of kind of, I have a kind of a crossover story. If you want to, sure, let's ease into it. Second. Sure. Uh, it turned. This is like kind of between real news and, but this is a story that just shows you the kind of the kind of problems we're having. You know, greed is an issue mm-hmm. in in the world of business and the, and government. Um, and there's no difference between the two, apparently. So uh, Chuck Schumer and ten co-sponsors have introduced, and this is from Metafilter, uh, have introduced the Innovative Design Protection and Piracy Prevention Act. Uh, it's it's essentially designed to give the, you know, the fashion industry, which was, has some of the greatest millionaires and billionaires in the world because they make so much money off of the fashion, the idea of fashion. They're trying to get the, the, the this is a front organization, a front bunch of congressmen fronting for the fashion business to try to make it so you could, Patent and copyright designs of clothes. Yeah, which which of course is the whole fashion industry is based upon copying. It's the way it works. You have the haute couture, you have the the big fashion shows, and then H and M and all these and uh, stores knock them, them off. off instantly. Yeah, and so they have to come through the next cycle. That's why you have all these seasons, and you have this turnover of clothes, and these guys make millions and millions of dollars because of it, because there is no you know copyright. Of fashion, but now they want to make it so there is so these big companies can just essentially what the fashion industry would like, or what the what the CEOs of these big corporations would love nothing better than is why do we have to go through all this trouble making this new designs every year? Why don't we just get it copyrighted? Nobody can copy it, and, and if anybody does, we'll just 
by them and would just become some, you know, just re- produce kind of communist style clothing. <laughs> Blue jeans. It, it gets everybody dressed the same. Men don't give a crap anyway. And w- and women, you know, they can eat it. You know, we'll just get them off this fashion track and we'll just, just roll in money and nobody can, you know, steal. No one can touch us. Ideas. No one can touch us. Right. It's ridiculous. This is the kind of laziness that's set in. This is why we get government workers making $125,000 a year. And you have a link to this uh, story that I can put in the show notes? Yeah, I definitely want to investigate this. That would kind of destroy the whole fashion industry. It would, but they don't care. It Mm. wouldn't destroy their bottom line. Well, who's behind this then? Schumer, some congressman. I don't know who, who, is, who, by the way, is the icon of fashion. <laughs> I don't know what companies are, but you can assume it's like Nike or some of these guys like that have all these you know little logos and things they like to protect. It's got to be. I can't believe it's a European uh, idea. It's it got to be American. Yeah, it you know, can't the be the. It can't be people who are really into the fashion industry because they live on that. The, that's the whole idea. Yeah, they live on turnover. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, just this interesting little thing that's happening. It's, it's another decimation of, you know, whatever rights we have left. All right. So uh, a plane goes down in Alaska. Nine people on board. Uh, some interesting players. A, um, a former NASA uh, and now uh, uh, Airbus guy. Uh, Senator Ted Stevens, who, of course, uh, very controversial figure uh and uh, i i definitely have a theory but i think it's better if we hear yours first uh because no, I, why would it be better if you heard mine first because uh just trust me <sighs> all right stevens cropped up in washington dc uh in uh, late 2009 um all of a sudden after he was you know he essentially was first charged with the ethics violation and then they after they found him guilty in a court of law and he lost his election the uh, the government says, well, you know, it probably was a there was mis you know the, he was the never process- convicted. He was never convicted because of uh, procedural issues, right? And it, then it, they thought it was prosecutorial misconduct, and they were going to actually throw the book at the prosecutors and indict them. And, and but you know, this was all after the fact because they already lost his uh, his election, so he's out now. So who cares? I mean, they just wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to get him out of office. They you know they were just going to screw the guy for one reason or another. And I will, will mention this by the way. I was watching, and I have some clips from uh, Democracy Now. And Democracy Now insists when they gave his obit on calling him a, a convicted violator. You know, they they really made which a is point not as, true. Which is, yeah, I know. It's a lie, but that's just the democracy now. They, they, you know, they don't want to give you the real details. They want to give you a Democrat, liberal, progressive uh, angle on things, which right. is sometimes skewed. Right. So anyway, so he shows up in Washington, D.C. You know he's not a happy camper, and he's floating around with a couple of uh, ghostwriters, and he makes it clear in public that he's going to do his memoirs, and everybody knows for a fact that these memoirs aren't going to be very amenable to the powers that be that got him kicked out. So he's on the track to spill his guts about stuff to God knows what. Next thing you know, he's dead. Do you know that um, his memoirs uh, received a grant? For, uh, no, from who? <laughs> from BP. A million-dollar grant from BP. That's nice. Yeah, that's convenient. <laughs> so, so you think that this was a, t- a hit, a, a total two to the head on Stevens because his memoirs were going to come out 
and uh, and embarrass a lot of people. Yeah. And he, if you looked at the committees he was on, he was on a lot of committees. In fact, he was on the Homeland Security Committee, uh, subcommittee. Oh, no, the, the committee. And then he was on a bunch of sub- intelligence subcommittees. He was floating around that whole area. He knew a lot of, he knows where a lot of skeletons are hidden. He's, you know, he's too old. He's getting kind of weird. They couldn't take a chance. Uh, the BP thing probably has something to do with it because they said, you know, you got to tell the story about, you know, the truth about something or other. <laughs> about the, what. Yeah. Well, and so, hmm. boom, he's dead. Yeah, possible, possible. Uh, I I approach it from a different angle. Is this a topper? I think it might be. Mm. Um, So, of course, when I hear about an aviation accident, I immediately start uh, investigating what happened. And and, uh, all of the mainstream news reports have absolutely no information whatsoever. They, They don't even pull out the bad weather card, other than it was bad weather which hampered rescue efforts. But they just say, eh, hey, you plowed into a mountain, right? There's nothing there. Nothing. Commonplace. Uh, it's, what do you mean? Happens every day. Yeah. Uh, so I look into um, who's piloting the plane. And uh, the guy piloting the plane is uh, Terry Smith. Now, Terry Smith is uh, a very, very experienced pilot. And these bush pilots, by the way, these guys who fly otters and this Havilland, they know what they're doing, okay? Yes, yep. things happen, uh, but they do know. The guy had 29,000 flight hours. Uh, he actually, I think, was chief pilot at Alaska Air. Uh, the guy, it's, it's not, <clears throat> not something for him to just, you know, right after takeoff, because this was only, this was very close to where they took off from, from this uh, lodge, <clears throat> to then uh, have such a, ca- a catastrophic accident. Uh, so you would immediately have to figure some kind of uh, failure on the craft. Now, when you look into uh, uh, Terry Smith, his son-in-law died just two weeks ago while flying a C-17 aircraft uh, in the same region. What happens? He takes off plane crashes a couple minutes after takeoff. A C-17. So you starting to feel me yet? I'm, I'm listening. It's kind of a coincidence. All right, now you have to bear with me. Don't go, oh, brother, immediately on me, okay? Okay, do it before you do anything, then <laughs> get it out of the way. Yeah, just do, oh, brother. Oh, brother. Now let's look around the world right now. Uh, currently, we have uh, huge flooding in China. India. We have Russia burning. We have uh, Japan, 21,000 people uh, in hospital for, due to heat stroke. We have um, Africa, severe drought. We have um, very crazy weather going on in the southern hemisphere. Argentina, Uruguay, Chile, extremely cold. California, extremely cold. So what does this do? This is messing up our food supply. This is why I alluded to it earlier. And now you have to go and look at the charts. What has been on consistently for the past couple weeks is the harp array in Alaska. These, they have been beaming and have been modifying the weather for weeks. And, this is, and you can just look around. You know, and, and the east coast of America, we're frying in the east coast. So what happened is these guys, I don't know if it was intentional, but it would, make, it would be very convenient for, uh, for uh, Senator Stevens. They got fried by a Tesla beam from this harp array. <laughs> 
And what happened so is... I have like a nice logical exposition no, 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 in the you, second half of the show you, material you, right you, up front. You, you got to stay with me. So what happens is Terry, who's good for Terry Smith, is good friends with Steve and says, dude, this accident with my son-in-law that's messed up, there's something weird going on, it has to do with the harp array. He, he, they're, they're up there together. They actually want to do some investigative work as well, and they get fried. There's no other reason for this plane to come down unless they can give me a reason, which they're not doing. The NTSB is shutting up. Everyone's completely quiet. Normally, when you see an accident, they say, oh, okay, well, so, you know, here's what happened. Here's what it looked like. Uh, now it's just like the wings were bent off of this thing. <laughs> bent off. Not broken off. Bent off. Okay. There's so many anomalies that I absolutely am convinced that there's some kind of weirdness going on. And you put all of that weather-related stuff together. And the Harper Ray, as we know, is in Alaska. This was a fry job. All right. It makes no sense, but my, as opposed to my argument, which makes some sense. Uh, but you you can stay with that theory. I mean, I, so it's not two shots. It was just an accident, is what you're no, saying. No, no, I'm no, I'm saying it's it's total two two to the head. But it's it's because they were it's in kind the, of a you know they've been killing people in these small planes for what decades without using laser beam harp and, or whatever that you know it's being used for most mostly for telecommunications. By the way, uh, they it, but it, with bombs and you know and and screwing up the the plane in one way or another. But now they're going to get carried away. Does that make any sense? Let's just put a bomb on the thing and blow it up out of the, in the sky. No, this is a lot more convenient. Remember, we had a very experienced it's pilot a lot on more board. Convenient? Yes. All they have to do is just turn the antenna like three degrees and zap Who's them they? out of the sky. Just, there's a lot of people involved with this facility with planning a bomb. You yeah. One name one. Agent. Name one person you know involved at this facility. You have no idea. No one knows anyone from this facility. But there's people. There's more than one lone guy floating around, some covert agent. This coming from the guy who thinks there's two Obamas. You're telling me that this is out, that this is outrageous. Two Obamas only involves one person. That you there's not there's this Harper is not operated by one guy by himself getting messages, you know, over some code. They, e- they even sent in a hit squad to make sure the right people were dead. Listen to the differences between the two BBC reports. The first report comes out. Five people were at the scene earlier on Tuesday helping the victims of the flight, but it is unclear how they reached the wreckage, according to the National Guard. The National Guard in Alaska reported that a private medical team had been dropped near the area of the crash by a commercial helicopter on Tuesday. Uh Uh-huh. Now they're airdropping guys in, so we know what that team was doing. And then they changed this report, and we have PDFs of of the web pages. Several local Samaritans had reached the wreckage before rescuers could arrive and tended to the survivors. <laughs> please. Please. They went in and made sure that they were, that they were well taken care of. Uh, and uh, there is a full-scale war going on, and we're not, we're not opening our eyes because it's so big, it's as big as the mountain that they flew into, that there's a weather war going on, a full-scale weather war. And the United States is propagating it. Why else do you think Russia's burning up? This all of a sudden this just happens? This is like crazy. Was it global warming, John? What's your uh, rationale? Global warming, Glo- exactly. Oh, okay. Just want to you make know, sure. You know, I, I'm not going to disagree with the possibility. 
the possibility of uh, you know some sort of a weather war, which I don't think has anything to do with this particular instance of Ted Stevens. But because and and I would say that if there was uh, global warming would be the good cover story because it's like what if people notice that this is going on? You know what are we going to how are we going to explain it? Well, we've got global warming. That's what's doing it. Uh, so well, that's, 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 what they, that's what they're saying about the East Coast. That's being used to bring in our cap-and-trade regulations and all the rest. It's, people are dying everywhere. You don't even hear a breath on the news about the thousands of people who have drowned from flooding. And, and this, the harp array has been on consistently. It's on. It's frying stuff. How do you know it's arm uh, on? Oh, you can. The, the frequencies are known. You can. You can. You can actually listen to it. You can, There's there's shortwave radio sites everywhere on the net that monitor harp all the time, and it's on. Are, there, are you going to have links in the show notes? Sure, of course, of course. All right. Well, I consider this crazy. Okay. But That's... again, I mean, we don't have an explanation for the crash, but. Uh... Yeah, I, I gave I gave you the explanation. They were investigating what was going on. Why this guy's uh, son-in-law all of a sudden died? Well, where was Harp? Where was Harp in regards to the plane crash? Where's Harp located up there? In re- and where was the plane? Was it nearby? Was it walking distance? What, all you what have were to they do, flying around it? All you have to do is just focus the beam. It's that simple. I'll tell you where it is. It's that simple. Yeah. Well, they're, look, they're frying Russia. No, I, 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 know, I know you don't believe this. That's okay. No, it's okay. You can, it's fine. It's fine. If you want to go off in that direction, it's okay. I need to put it out there because I really believe that there is... Yeah, the, <coughs> the frequency is 3.39 megahertz. That's where you can hear them. And uh, the actual location... Now, someone in the chat room will know what the actual location is, but it doesn't matter. It's up there in Alaska. And I think that this guy's uh, son-in-law uh, maybe accidentally flew through the beam, and and you know and the and the and the plane got fried and went down, and they were possibly flying in the same area, or they were investigating and they just got fried, and it was convenient because Stevens was a pain in the butt anyway. But I think Stevens was probably helping the guy. Stevens is a big pain in the ass. He knows what's going on. He knows what's going on in Alaska. He knows about Harp. And then, right. and then they send in BP to go finance the archives, so we'll never see anything. They now uh, effectively own the archives, so none of that stuff will ever come out. That's convenient for yeah. your theory. Yeah, well, for yours, too. Well, I suppose. All right. <laughs> so that will keep us... Uh... But it's radiation week, by the way, in case you hadn't noticed. It's really... <laughs> yeah. We have radioactive wild boars in Germany. We have uh, radio, uh, radiation uh, in the streets of Berlin, and of course the Moscow fires, uh, you know, all of this, uh, all of the wood that has been radiated or whatever is now going to put radiation into the air. That's the meme of the week. It's, it's radiation week. Didn't you get the memo? Yeah, I missed the memo on that one. But after, after that fine uh, exhibition of crackpottedness, mm-hmm. I think it's time we take a, our, our little... Uh, well, you know, by the way, I want to get a telephone ringing. So when we're asking for uh, <laughs> donations and support and uh, contributions, that we have the phone ringing in the background because I'm noticing PBS using it more than usual. Really, the old-fashioned one too—the phone that nobody owns anymore. Let me see if I can find one for you. I was uh, when I was on the Adam Carolla show 
you know, of course we brought up business models and stuff like that. And I said, Oh, you know, PBS is, you know, I, I said, yeah, PBS are a bunch of jack offs. And uh, I said, you know, they use this fake, uh, they use a sound loop and they're like, Oh yeah. I never thought about that. So yeah, it's because, you know, you're so conditioned people don't realize that. I don't have a, a sound effect. There, 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 we'll get one. We'll make a, a background track. I'll have it looped. So anyway, I want to thank some people who donated uh, to the show in the last week or so. And uh, I want to start by, I'm gonna, in fact, I'm going to let Adam mention the first one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this Walter. is... Walter. Uh, yeah, he says Walter, but I'll call him by his, his birth name, Wouter Selger from Hilversum, the Netherlands. This donation is to get me $333.33 away from my knighthood, not counting my monthly 3333 donations. I'd also like some good karma from my mom who's getting a new hip in two weeks' time. My last donation will be on 10-10-2010. Seems like the perfect day to get knighted, as it's my birthday that day as well. I think Adam should spend this money on iTunes downloads for some DSC shows. Love the show. It has kept me sane in an insane world for the past few years. Oh, and John, please come back to the chat room. But it helps if you register your nick. Yeah, because I get kicked off. <laughs> so, um, by the way, I think we might we might do a special. Uh, I think I'll maybe within the next uh, month or so, or as soon as possible, do a special donation drive for ten, ten, ten. This is only going to happen once every thousand years. Um. I'm doing my donation thing, man. I'm doing my rings. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like some. It sounds like somebody's killing a cat. <laughs> it sounds it's, good here. It's going, it's piercing my ears. <laughs> well, I, I, I have different ones. I got not much of a ring. Yeah, it's a great ring. What are you talking about? It's a perfect ring. This triggers people immediately. I must send money. I need to send money. So anyway, ten 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 is a big deal because ten ten day for one thing is a Chinese lucky day, and then ten 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 has got to be wow, and that's coming up. Brian Rogers, Newton, New Jersey, one hundred one dollars and one cents. Former Soviet spies, a donation is belated wedding gift for our fellow producer Pete M from NYC, wishing him and his wife a congratulations. The show is great stuff. Uh, Matthew Carey, Eastwood, South Australia, hundred dollars. Monty Gonzalez, Stockton, California, Stockton. Do I hear another bid for Stockton? The whole town is up for sale. Uh, Thomas Stamulus, Dulles, Virginia, 8910. Uh, hello, John and Adam. I've been listening to you for the last few months since moving to Morocco. Nice. He's from Dallas, Virginia, or Dulles, Virginia. Now he's living in Morocco. Glad to see that we have people from uh, <clears throat> parts of Virginia listening to the show, if you know what I mean. I uh, really appreciate each episode. I figured I'd use today's date to start my march toward knighthood. Please use this as a token of my appreciation for better bandwidth in the last few episodes. It's been a struggle. Keep up uh, the good work, and I look forward to many more episodes. Uh, I picked up a coin. Uh, I.J. Herka, Warren Dite, Victoria, 6666, Kenneth Keelholz, Hamilton, uh Ohio, 5592, no explanation. Lincoln, Millwood, Duluth, Georgia, $55. Robert Alter, Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, Joseph Gaz, Wilmington, Delaware. Jeremy Peck, Melbourne, Australia. 
and Lisa Lang from Fitzroy, North Victoria. We got a lot of Australians this week, and uh, she, of course, she's a night. Uh, she's on a night track, and the rest of them gave, all gave fifty dollars. Damehood layaway, uh, layaway, uh, night track. Ice Spike Corporation, Lake City, Florida, uh, fifty dollars, and finally John Gan. Ganatis, Ganatis, Ganotis, Ganatis. Fayetteville, New York, also 50. So, and, uh, and all of you who are on a, a monthly plan, the $5 a month or the uh, Lucky Mothership Boarding Pass, uh, $33.33, we really appreciate those donations. And a couple people said they did go back and, uh, and checked to see if their uh, uh, monthly donations were still on, and uh, some of them had indeed been canceled. PayPal has this mysterious way of canceling things, these uh, these monthly donations, and it, it, no one really understands how it happens. Yeah, it's sometimes you change your card number, or you, or maybe your your card date changed, or the who knows. Whatever the case is, the, the uh, they dro- they drop it, boom, really fast. Justin Stokes says, "In the morning, uh, I bought one of the challenge coins. Within a day, my wife was contacted about a new job after having just been laid off." This is great. The challenge coin. Story. Hey, the challenge coins are sold out. We're done. That's yeah, I heard it. That. That's it's all done. He's going to have to design a second batch or something of different kind with a different design. Uh, or maybe he can just get on the night rings, John. It's just a just a thought. Yeah, I could. So um, I want to play just a quick bit of audio because people may not uh, understand our model. Uh, the formula, of course, is simple: going out and hitting people in the mo- in the mouth. But Bill Hicks, who uh, well, he died a how many how many years ago did Bill Hicks die? The rock and roll guy, Bill the, Hicks, the the comedian, Bill Hicks. Oh, that guy. I don't know that he's dead, is he? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been dead for a number of years, I'm sure. I don't know. He, uh, um, and he was a real go-out-and-hit-him-in-the-mouth kind of guy. And uh, here's what he had to say about commercialism. This is more about doing a commercial, but it really does explain why we do not take any money for commercials. We don't do commercials. We don't take commercial money. Because, well, listen to this. Here's the deal, folks. You do a commercial, you're off the artistic roll call forever. End of story. Okay? You're another corporate fucking shill. You're another whore at the capitalist gangbang. And if you do a commercial, there's a price on your head. Everything you say is suspect. And every word that comes out of your mouth is now like a turd falling into my drink. <laughs> and that's the truth. I guess that summarizes it. That's the truth. And that's why we're not in the Nokia OV store, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we have a couple of knighthoods we have to take care of. These are knights. And actually, there's a guy oh, I want to mention before you start. There's yes. a fourth one that I just got a note on. No, I got it. I got, I got all four. I got all four. We oh, have, yeah, we have four okay. knights in the order uh, of the mint, and one of them is a double black knight. That is the fourth one that... Uh, that we uh, that we just got in. So is, he, is the last one the or is the the black knight an order of the mint or is he just a knights of the agenda round table? Um, no, I think he's a order of the mint and a black knight. Okay, yeah, it's confusing. It's getting complicated. <laughs> it's getting very complicated. Victor Osterdahl, Stephen Lowe, Glenn Mercer, and Harry Selwood, please step forward. John, time to draw. Yeah. Yeah. Good. The four of you have uh, successfully completed your quest of a donation of $1,000 in your name to the No Agenda Show. 
And you've done this by purchasing a No Agenda Challenge coin from NoAgendaFans.com. So hereby we knight thee, all four, Victor, Stephen, Glenn, and Harry, as knights of the No Agenda Roundtable in the order of the mint. Please come forward. Enjoy our hookers and blow. Wow, the table's filling up. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to have to do they, Hopefully, they won't all meet in one place. <laughs> we also have, uh, let's see, I think we have a birthday. I think we should uh, do that one while we're here. It's your birthday, birthday. Oh, no, Actually, I think we have two. So, happy birthday to Aaron Stokes. Happy 23rd. Uh, he apparently is a... Uh, there we go. Lots of mixing going on. And also, Eleanor Schultes would like to say happy birthday to her boyfriend, John Foley. Happy birthday from your friends here at No Agenda. It's your birthday, yeah. Now, we did have some douchebag call-outs that I saw in the PayPal uh, thing. I'm not seeing them in my list here. Okay. Well, while you're so- looking for that, let me... Uh, Again, thank everybody who uh, is on the uh, under $50 a month uh, donation list. As you know, that's where we keep anonymous. And everyone who's on the, on the uh, monthlies, uh, particularly the um, mothership boarding pass, only 1,000 of them, uh, actually 999 because I'm on board. John is staying uh, behind uh, to uh, fight the zombies. And uh, if you would like to sponsor this show, which is uh, completely listener-supported, go to Dvorak.org slash NA. Of course, you can find the link at uh, noagendashow.com. And for the uh, firewall challenge, it's channeldvorak.com slash... I'm sorry. Yeah, channeldvorak.com slash NA. We, we popped up in a couple of virus scanners for some reason. Uh, oh, this really? Week. Yeah, the AVA virus scanner. Decided Ooh. that uh, that we were no good. Who's we? Yeah, uh, no Agenda and Dvorak. Noagendashow.com? Yeah, yeah. Our XML feed uh, all of a sudden was no good. And it contained a virus, so they said. And a lot of people noticed this. A lot of people sent me email about it. And I guess a lot of people went back to the company and said, hey. And they changed it. Now we're off. So we're, we're back on the good list. I wonder what, co- wonder what caused the trigger. I think, you know, someone can just push a button and say this is bogus. You know, someone probably got got angry at us. Hmm. This is a, do we have to be diligent about this? Well, our producers luckily are very diligent. Yeah, luckily they are. That's the great thing about being open source. I mean, one of the things, uh, you know, Paul Couture apparently has offered his idea of these challenge coins to other people. Uh, and they just told him to, to shove it. Yeah, it was, it's yeah like, oh, oh, you're taking our brand, uh, our, our you're incredibly valuable. Oh, you can't, you do, can't that. do that. Ooh, that's no good. Ooh, I horrible. mean, if you're going to go it, the, the, the route we're taking, and again, go to Dvorak.org slash NA and help us do this. We are completely open source. We uh, we we do ask for, for donations and, and contributions and support because uh, we, we we are essentially giving away everything. I mean, we give our brand name is out there for anyone to use, and some people have misused it, and some people, most people haven't. You, we, you, have, you trust the public. You trust people to start their own initiatives. They have a No Agenda book club. You know, we, we don't have anything no to do No AgendaTV.com. There's tons, tons of sites. It's, 
all out there for people to take advantage of the situation, but it's open source and it just shows you the power of just letting, you know, letting things grow on their own instead of trying to be control freaks, which is an old model that is dying. And it's what has resulted in in the country itself as a fractal are government employees getting $125,000 a year while you get Jack. We got to play this. John C. Dvorak, the pet peeve of the day. The old model literally is dying, John. The latest Nielsen data shows that uh, the median viewership of, uh, of mainstream television, which of course includes mainstream television news, is, uh, well, here's the list. Uh, ABC's median age, 51. CBS, 55. NBC, 49. And Fox, 44. They don't have the young audience anymore. And no, we, in fact, they're gonna, some of these networks are getting, like CBS, are getting so old that they're actually, the network themselves, as a network, they're going to get a Social Security check. <laughs> it won't be very big, but they'll be getting one. Yeah, it won't be as big as a government worker's paycheck. Uh, I think you should get one a little, in the morning. a little in the morning for that one. That was good. I like anyway. that. Remember what you, um, you've said many times about Robert Gibbs, the spokeshole for uh, President Obama and the administration? This is the the guy who does his uh, daily show, the Robert Gibbs show, in front of the press. He does a little stand-up and a little, uh, you, I'm so cool. What have you said a couple times about him? He's a douchebag? Yeah, well, besides that. What? That he's coked out. Oh, that, uh, yeah. Well, he sounds coked out. But if I talk like this on the show, ladies and gentlemen, so I hear me talking kind of like this. Well, you just assume that they don't have a cold, but if it never goes away, I probably got something called cocaine in my nose. So Cindy Sheehan has called him out. Um, now, unfortunately, I don't have a sound. Cl- I don't think there is a sound clip of, uh, of what Gibbs said. Um, but he blew up. Did he what? Well, when he made all these comments about progressives, professional yeah. liberals. Yeah, he yeah. said they should have their urine tested for drugs. Yeah. And uh, Cindy Sheehan has thrown down the gauntlet and said, uh, hey, we should test your urine, douche. <laughs> and I think that's a really good idea. We should test that guy for drugs. We should test all of them for drugs. I bet you they're high as a kite there in the West Wing. Well, you know, you got to work hard. You know, sometimes you need a little, you need an energy boost when Red Bull won't do the trick. I can just see Gibbs snorting blow off of Lindsay Lohan's ass. (laughs) Just sorry, I don't think so. Didn't mean to hurt you. Just to show you how that Ministry of Truth really works, uh, Charlie Gasparano, Gasparino, uh, who used to work at CNBC. I'm sure you've seen this guy on the air. Um, he now works at Fox Business, of course, where, that no one watches. Yeah. And uh, so he was on uh, O'Reilly. I'm surprised you haven't, you didn't see this. Maybe you did. Talking about the meeting that Jeffrey Immelt, who, of course, sits on the president's uh, economic advisory board, and, of course, General Electric up until this uh, recent merger with, um, uh, uni- was it uh, Universal? Uh, who, uh, no, Comcast, I'm sorry. Uh, Com- Comcast, of course, now owns all Cable of the, Town. Uh, yeah, they own all of the uh, NBC properties, but it was owned by General Electric uh, during the uh, the run up, of course, to the Obama uh, elect- uh, election to the elections and Obama being put in the White House. And listen to what he has to say about the meeting that was called between uh, Immelt, the CEO of GE, owner of all the NBC properties, and uh, and all of the station managers of these different properties. 
I talked that up really well, but I for some reason can't, yeah, can't get uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I don't know why, but yeah, go. For some, it won't play. No. Oh, fuck. It's pissing me off. I'm sorry. Uh, It'll play eventually. No. I don't, uh, Let me try it again. No, they've taken it off the air. doesn't work anymore. Jesus. Well, just give us a rundown. I have the transcript. Maybe it'll play. Well, it was interesting. There was it turned out to be true. I think the New York Post reported, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Jeff Immel, chairman of GE, which used to own NBC Universal, called in some, the senior staff, clearly was worried, according to the people. Oh, man, it just refreshed. According to the people that, uh, this is an abortion. This whole page is like. <laughs> wow, a 70s term. Yeah, this whole page is like freaking out. Um, uh, there was a meeting about the possibility that the NBC stations were becoming too anti-administration. This is when the Obama yeah, this is when the Obama administration first took over and some of the spending plans came out and the markets reacted. Um, and so then O'Reilly says, so Immel himself introduced on the editorial position of CNBC because he felt that you weren't giving Obama a fair shake. And then Gasparino says, yeah, they're going to ad- uh, deny it officially, but the way it worked is people got called into the meeting. They were basically read the riot act. The question of whether they were being fair to the president was brought up. So Immel literally brought in all of the, all of the network execs and said, you're not being fair to the president. Uh, you've got to calm, you've got to tone it down and you've got to stop being anti-administration. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, you know, it's not as though we didn't deconstruct this. I know, but it's it, and I wish I could. It's play always the clip yeah, it's for always you. good to get confirmation. Yeah. Uh, in one way or another, uh, and I believe it. It probably is true because uh, CNBC was a little harsh on occasion, and they, you know, CNBC has a, a kind of a problem because they, they were a lot of them people blame them for the dot com collapse. Mm. And along with magazines like Forbes, where none of nobody picked up on anything. Yeah, yeah, all they're just boosters. And there was a lot of stories going around in the late '90s about how if you went on CNBC as a guest and you had any kind of bearish. Uh, negative information that you were promoting that you would never get invited. <laughs> you would back. never get invited back, right? You're you had off. to be a bull, yeah. You're you off. know, and just pump, 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 and so the whole thing was just like you know crazy. And so when the thing collapsed, they had you know they were partly responsible in some you know in some psychic way anyway. Uh, but anyway, the uh, so more recently they have been very aware of this this reputation of theirs, and so they've been doing a lot of negative stuff. Even though, when they had a real opportunity, for example, when the guys, the guys with this book came out, because I, I saw this show, and and were slamming Lehman Brothers, saying that these guys are going to go broke, and everyone is in the company, and they were you know, and the and the the CNBC folks, it was the one of their morning shows, said, "Oh, this is bogus. You you have no proof," and they you know basically rousted the guys and wouldn't let them really explain their position. Or they let them explain it, but they they poo pooed it. And so, of course, when Lehman did collapse, it was like, "Wow, yeah, uh, the, you know, CNBC's back on track, being just boosters." And so they have this reputation. So they tried to. I think when they, they, I think they did attempt to go that way. And so then they got called on the carpet. That's not good. Well, it's how it. And, it, and you know, I mean, what is you think that MSNBC stand as a standalone sub network would more than make up for anyone who had anything negative to say? So they essentially are saying that all of NBC. And of course, we deconstructed a lot of stuff from like their some of their dramas. In fact, that were just boosting the president. It's just a, a shill for the for the for the White House. 
Well, I think there's the, the whole thing is it's all a setup and uh, all of well, Wall. GE is a big contractor for yeah, the government. Exactly. But then when you you look at how the financial news and just the news networks and which basically deal a lot with uh, with Wall Street and and the whole game, and and you look at what's really going on. Have you and uh, Horowitz uh, talked about these weird robot uh, trades? Have you seen Have you seen these charts? We talk about this quite a bit, actually. Yeah, the what they're calling the crop circles in, well, I in the market the crop data circle charts. No. Oh. It's uh well so what's happening is these uh, this is a part of the high you know the high frequency the flash trading they come in and within a second they'll do like a thousand uh, bids or asks and that of course uh, over time and time in this case is is a couple of seconds to maybe a minute it boosts the price of a stock yeah. So here I'll just send you the link so you can take a look at it. So the people are now. This is not news. But what's interesting is to see the charts where you can actually see the different algorithms that are being used, and it's happening in such high. First of all, it's illegal. You can, you're not allowed to go into uh, an open market and trade just to boost and 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 do bids just to boost the stock. You have to actually do that with the intent to buy or sell. But when you see how these these high, these high frequency well, flash it, programs it's are illegal. working, where is it illegal? Oh, that's oh, that's a uh, uh, that's a law. That's the uh, what law? The SEC law. No, I'm quite sure it is. You find it and cite it. Okay, I, I mean I, I'm not an expert, so I, I could be wrong. No, I don't, you don't have to be an expert to find and cite something. I'll look for These guys it. have been doing this for for ever since it was in, they they went to computerized trading. But have you have I mean, you, you, have have you to say, I mean, you can't. It couldn't possibly be a law because, for example, the computerized trading system, whether there's you know the the flash trading is new, but the computerized trading system, which accounts for like the you know which which kind of benefits the market in a lot of different ways by balancing things. If you the market starts to collapse and the computers kick in and start selling. Uh, it's the equivalent. I mean, you're not buying and selling for any other purpose to get the hell out of there. Uh, I, no, I don't think you're going to find it. You're not going to find documentation for this. The flash trading is is legal. No, I'm not saying the flash trading is illegal. Well, you know what? I really don't know. I, I have to say I don't know. I read. I th- I was pretty sure I read it somewhere that it was illegal. But what just really hit me is when you and it's in the show notes. Obviously, when you I'm looking at this chart, when you see the fun. chart, it's amazing. You know, and uh, it's just all these little blips all in a row within one second, a thousand different, uh, a, a thousand different offers. Yeah. That are just it's meant- a market manipulation technique. Right. OK, so you're not allowed to manipulate markets. No, are I you? didn't say that. OK. All right. But it's it's what it's used. It's what it ends up being used for. But yeah. they to prove it's another thing. Um, yeah, I know. I don't know. Stay out of the market. That's my <laughs> yeah, yeah. Buy gold. <laughs> go get some of those Glenn Beck gold coins. That's what you need to do. <laughs> Take a bath. Go get some of those. That's really good. You got some clips, John. I'd love to hear some. Uh, some yeah, stuff let's that you see what got. we got here. Uh, I got it. There's an interesting one. I, I it's a series of four clips that I got from the Democracy Now show, which is. Uh, just a hor- I mean, it's a very difficult show to get through. But, but they did find uh, there's a thing called the National Security Letter, which became scandalous during the uh, Bush administration. But just playing this, this is like, you know, we have, you know, you would think that 
in this country, we'd have respect for the First Amendment, our right to free speech. And this brings up a couple of topics. The national security letter, which was the the FBI handed out nearly 200,000 of these things to people. You don't know who they are because nobody could talk about them. They were like essentially giving you a letter from the FBI, which essentially was a non-disclosure thing that you were forced to agree to by virtue of the fact that they told you to a secret. It's like the secret police coming and knocking on the door. So what what was the content of this letter? Well, here, play the national security letter, the first Amy Goodman clip of the group, and you'll get a, a clue about it. We begin today's show with a guest here in New York who's been under an FBI gag order for the past six years. In early 2004, an FBI agent visited Nicholas Merrill and handed him a national security letter that ordered him to hand over detailed private records about some of his customers. At the time, Merrill was running an Internet service provider in New York called Kalex. Under the USA Patriot Act, the FBI issued more than 192,000 national security letters between 2003 and 2000 in order to obtain sensitive information without a court order. Under the law, recipients of the letters are barred from telling anyone about their encounter with the FBI. While Nicholas Merrill was not the first American to be gagged after receiving a national security letter, an NSL, he was the first to challenge the FBI's secret tactics. After receiving the national security letter, Merrill went to the American Civil Liberties Union, which then filed the first lawsuit challenging the national security letter, letter statute. Okay. So, so he got Spying. his letter. He's now, just now in 2010, can talk about it, and he still can't fully talk about it for some reason. And he's so fearful. This is, by the way, the, the, the direction our country is headed. Uh, and when you listen to this guy try to explain himself in the next clip, I think, I think there's a clip in there called uh, Still Scared or something like that. Just listen to a person who received one of these letters and, the, and how skittish he's become and how un-American this whole thing is. And the fact that the FBI tried to pull this, well, they tried to, they managed to do it, pull off becoming the secret police, the Gestapo, as it were, uh, in in this what essentially is a, is a you don't want to do a lot of investigating. You're, you're obviously making more than $200,000 a year, at least a minimum average pay of $125,000, you're a federal employee. You uh, don't really want to do any work because, you know, you can't really lose your job, but you want to at least get some results. So you put out a dragnet. You try to dragnet things. You, in other words, you hell with the First Amendment, hell with everything, hell with the Bill of Rights, the Constitution, and everything in between. I mean, let's see if we can go get some convictions You're doing it the easy way by by provide by creating this national security letter and and just doing a witch hunt but listen to this character in the clip too Nick Merrill joins us here in New York. We welcome you to Democracy Now. Thank you. Good morning. It's good to have you with us. I bet it's good to be able to speak. It is kind of a relief, yeah. It's also a bit surreal because I'm not exactly used to it yet. And almost every time I say something about it, I kind of have this uh, knee-jerk reaction. Like, I'm not supposed to talk about that. And, and you know, that got so ingrained into me that that uh, it's still a bit strange. Well- Wait a minute. Which which administration handed out these uh, national security? Bush. Okay, right. You know, great old Bush, and then and Gonzalez. Yeah, and and but now he can speak about it. 
Well, he can now because he won this court case, but in fact, he can't fully speak about it. He mentions the fact that the court case was an agreement that still means he can't talk about, you know, the, the specific uh, operation that they were looking at, uh, which was some NGO, apparently. And, uh, you know, and he, he can't show the letter that's all redacted except for the signature and a couple of offbeat words showing here and there for no apparent reason. And uh, so he's still kind of under a gag order, and which brings me to the point about what is our freedom of speech rights if you can't talk you know this this has been bothering me for a while before we get to the next two clips uh, and i talk about this every so often i bring it up on this show and i'm going to keep bringing it up because nobody seems to be paying any attention to the fact that we have in this country something called a non-disclosure agreement which essentially abrogates your right to free speech Right. You sign a non-disclosure agreement. You can't talk about something under penalty of whatever. You can get sued. All these bad things can happen. But we have in, in the Constitution, we have a right to free speech. So how can this be? So how can I sign away my constitutional rights? I'd like to know. Do you have an answer to that question? Well, I think part of your constitution or part of the constitutional rights that uh, you have in the United States is to enter into a private contract amongst Fine. individuals. That's great. That's exactly the answer I was looking for. Mm-hmm. So why can I enter into a private contract as a slave, an indentured <laughs> servant. Why don't I sign? Why don't we go to Africa and have a bunch of Africans sign a document, a private contract, that they are now full time slaves? I think that's a good idea. Let's go get us some. So that's the question I have to ask you. Now you just answered the question, the first question. How do you answer the second one? Let's go do it. I could use, I could use a couple, <laughs> you know, to it upload the, to me upload the show it, and do stuff like that. <laughs> it sounds to me as though if you give the first answer, which you gave, which is the answer I keep hearing. Well, by the way, I'm only giving you the answer because I know that's the answer. That is the answer. That's the answer I keep hearing. Then if that's the case, why can't I go sign up some slaves? Well, John, I think we should test this. Who, anyway, who in the chat room wants to be a slave? We'll sign you up. If anyone wants to be a slave, you can come here. We're going to put a, one of those uh, red rubber balls in your mouth. No, you not can be that the gimp. Kind of slave. Oh, not oh, I'm sorry. Slave. We're talking about a slave to do some work in the backyard. <laughs> to rake the leaves. Shut up, slave. Rake my leaves. Well, I think you can, John. I think this is a constitutional point, and I think you should go out and you should fight it. You should go hit people in the mouth and get you some slaves. So anyway, and then, so this, this story continues. Let's go to clip three. I love you, man. Why don't you tell us your story? What day was it? When did it happen and what happened? Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to, for some reason, say the exact day. Uh, it was in February 2004. Uh, an FBI agent visited my office. Uh, he brought me a letter. Um, he, you know, he badged himself. He identified himself as an agent. He gave me this letter. Uh, I opened it. I read it in his presence. And a few things kind of uh, leaped out at me upon first reading the letter, one of which was that um, I was commanded to never tell anyone, anyone, about the letter. Not that I had received it, not that there had been a request for information. Uh, it was a very broad and uh, there, there, were, there was no exceptions in there. There was no instructions on how to appeal. There was nothing about contacting a lawyer. So I said to the agent at that time, um, it says here I can't tell anyone about this. Does that include my attorneys? Does that include my business partners? And the man said something to the effect of, I'm, I've just been given the job of bringing you this letter. I don't know. I'm not a decision maker. Um, and 
that was basically the end of our conversation. Uh, then he left. Um, at that point, I was left with this letter, uh, which asked for what I believe to be constitutionally protected information belonging to one of my clients. Cool. This is great. Yeah, this is what you do when you're lazy. Instead of actually doing any real uh, footwork, you know, you come out with this letter that says you can't even say you have the letter. And then you scare the crap out of somebody because everybody knows habeas corpus is out the door, another constitutional right. And they could probably pick you up and throw you in the Gitmo for all you. And who's going to do anything about it? Nobody. Nothing. Nothing. So let's finish it off with, the I think, clip four, and we'll be done with this topic. Uh, the two FBI agents came to our office with the letter. Um, they had called a week before and uh, told us that uh, they were going to serve us with a security letter. Uh, the thing that leaped to my attention about our letter was that uh, it concerned an incident back in February, five months prior to this. It was dated in May, two months prior to July, um, and it was still addressed to uh, the wrong person at our office, although they had called to ask who it should be addressed to. So I could conclude that it was not a case of uh, hot pursuit, and that if I dug my heels in, we weren't jeopardizing any of our fellow citizens. What did you but, say to uh, the FBI agents who to- came to your door? Ah, this is great. That's awesome. Well, I've been while that was playing, I've been looking around, but I cannot find a copy of what would be a national security letter. Of course, it's uh, <coughs> no, not, of course not, not not available. You get uh, wow. So anyway, wow. The, so this has been going on, and I, as far as I know, this never been. These letters are still in effect, and nobody's done anything about it. the Obama administration. Sure hasn't done anything about. It. They like it. Yeah. Holder, I mean, who doesn't like this kind of secret police action? I think and, we should have a. I think we should have a no agenda NSL. <laughs> we send you the letter, and the first the first rule is you can't tell anyone about what's in the letter. <laughs> Fight club. Yeah, exactly. And uh, if you do, then you're our slave. That yeah, there you yeah, go. I think we need John. I, I'm I'm with you, my friend. I think constitutionally, you have a great point, and uh, I'd like me a slave. Would you like you a slave? Uh, no, I'd need a bunch of them. You haven't <laughs> seen my backyard. It's a mess. <laughs> There's work to be done. Yeah. Well, this, of course, is all just uh, kind of a wind up to where we're really headed in Gitmo Nation. And uh, this all came uh, kind of came out uh, this past week in Gitmo Nation East in the United Kingdom, where I guess so many people complain that the advertising watchdog. What is that? uh, The ad council. Yeah, the, the, the British version of the, the ad. The British version, The yeah. British version of the ad council says, hey, you know, these ads that we have are running on the radio, we really can't run these anymore. People are on to us. And I want you to, to listen. This is the, uh, the campaign, uh, if you suspect it, report it. Oh, yeah, this. This is great. The following message is brought to you by TalkSport and the anti-terrorist hotline. The man at the end of the street doesn't talk to his neighbours much because he likes to keep himself to himself. He pays with cash because he doesn't have a bank card. (laughs) And he keeps his curtains closed because his house is on a bus route. This may mean nothing, but together it could all add up to you having suspicions. We all have a role to play in combating terrorism. If you see anything suspicious, call the confidential anti-terrorist hotline on 0800... So there's a couple of these. I want to play the different versions because there's some really subtle stuff that just blew me away when you listen to the other versions of this. Because, of course, all these all these stations got paid to do this. I mean, this is a paid advertisement. Yeah, it's not a public service. No, it's not a PSA at all. 
Right, check this the one. following message is brought to you by Talk Sport oh, and the anti I'm sorry, it's the wrong one. Is that is the is the is the announcer that little Geico lizard? <laughs> it sounds like it, doesn't he? Here's the national campaign. Thing, but a terraced house in our street has blacked out windows. See, I love this. You have to listen to it again. She says a terrace house in our street. Now, a terrace house is uh, you know a particular type of uh, house in a in a typical uh, London street. But using the word terrace house is perfect for this because what does oh, it sound that, like? Yeah, I thought I it heard it. It sounds like terrorist, right? So yeah. it's very subliminal, but really, really good. Yeah, now, I like it. Now listen good to this. Thing, but a terraced house in our street has blacked out windows, which is odd. The thing is, the rest of his documents have different names on them. But it just seemed far too much fertilizer for such a small plot of land. <laughs> I love that. It was far too much fertilizer for such a small plot of, plot of land. It had too much fertilizer. I mean, it's only Look, he may have been on the level, but why did he want to buy protective equipment? He was asking loads of security questions, and then I discovered he didn't even work in that department. On their own, they may mean nothing, but together it all adds up. A terrorist plot may have been discovered. We all have a role to play. Did you hear that? Did you yeah. hear how they edit those words together? Yeah. That's it's great. Plot. May have been discovered. We all have a role to play in combating terrorism. If you see anything suspicious, call the confidential anti-terrorist hotline on 0800 789. I, I love how they do that. So they edit together what these people are saying, and it sounds like a terrorist plot has been discovered. Yeah. I mean, it's total subliminal mind control. It's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give me some slaves. This is awesome. So anyway, so they, they've stopped that, which of course means that now everyone's playing them, everyone's listening to them. Right, and deconstructing them. Yeah, well, no one's deconstructing this. No one's deconstructing it. Oh, they have to be. They're not that stupid. Who? There's, there's no one in, in, in Britain deconstruct. We're people who would deconstruct this stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, no, that's a, yeah, I use cash. By the way, I no. Use cash? <laughs> no, I, I got lots of fertilizer. I need poop for the yard. I'm surprised they didn't say, uh, oh, his hair isn't that blonde. He doesn't need all of that uh, bleaching product. Hmm. Hmm. Also in uh, Gitmo Nation East, uh, now some people may agree with this, but uh, smoking in your car with your children is now uh, pretty much officially child abuse. And uh, you know what that means? They can take your kid away. Yeah, they're looking for any excuse to take your kid away so they can brainwash him in in a state-run orphanage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, uh, They need your kids. For the MK Ultra program, got an email from uh, Reverend Eric, who's in uh, I think he's in Minneapolis, St. Paul, <clears throat> and uh, he went to uh, a different church, uh, and the congregation. As let me read this here, the service was the conclusion of the vacation Bible school at the congregation, and they had a theme hymn called my id and and he's freaking out about this now this is a reverend and uh he sent me some of the i'm trying to get a copy of this actual hymn uh but uh he wrote down we need to get a recording of it yeah no kidding it's called my id i don't know the i don't know the 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 tune or but i do have some of the words god the father made me in a perfect way He stepped back and he said it was good. Now he gives me loving each and every day. Everything he promised he would. Here comes the refrain. My ID. 
Through faith in Jesus Christ, I'm a child of God. My ID, baptized by water and blessed by the word. Jesus is my savior, dying on the cross. He suffered and bled for me. Now he's my friend. He's not, he's not like a boss. I saw it serve the world because he set me free. My ID, my ID. And it goes on a little bit longer. But uh, he is freaking out about this. And I've heard that uh, that there's been a lot of uh, infiltration into um, parishes and money actually flowing in that uh, when it's time, you know, for the flock to uh, get your, I guess, get your ID, get your mark of the devil, that uh, this is this is the hymn you'll be singing. You'll be happy to get your little number tattooed on your wrist or whatever. But this is uh, kind of scary. kind of creepy. Very creepy. Very, very creepy. Uh, anyway, so uh, Reverend Eric's going to try and get it for me. He says, uh, the pastors of the church are out of town till Friday. They're on a float trip with the junior high kids. Talking of creepy. And the music director is no longer there. The song was new to me. We seemed... went on to the next place. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you go from place to place in introducing these things. Um, so anyway, uh, he's he's going to try and get me uh, a recording and or uh, you know li- uh, the full lyrics, etc. and uh, the, and the uh, and the tune. Mm. But uh, I was just like, wow, that's uh, that's pretty out there. So I have a uh, just a follow up uh, ad that we we did. Oh, that. Nice. Remember a couple weeks ago we did a, the all state ad where the guys, the rich guys, driving along and he slams on his brakes because the stock market fell and the guy just rams into him. Yeah, he's a rich guy. He's a douchebag. He's a douchebag. Well, yeah. well they, they're, they're continuing this douchebag theme with only the guys. Now he's playing a, a, a girl who broke up with her boyfriend and smashes into somebody's car. And I've realized that, that Allstate, and somebody should take them to task for this, has basically, they're basically playing the protection game. It's like a mob ad. If the mob could do, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't want to brick through your window... You might want to get, take out some insurance. Oh, <laughs> like when the mob comes to your store and says, you know, you could you could get uh, robbed here unless you like take out some insurance with us. Yeah. Now, listen to this Allstate ad and tell me it's not like obviously some ex-mobster is writing the copy. I'm a teenage girl. My BFF Becky texts and says she's kissed Johnny. Well, that's a problem because I like Johnny. Now I'm emotionally compromised and whoopsies. I'm all OMG. Becky's not even hot. And if you've got cut rate insurance, you could be paying for this yourself. So get Allstate. You can save money and be better protected from mayhem like me. Dollar for dollar, nobody protects you from mayhem like Allstate. Wow. <laughs> okay. This is very confusing to me. So he's he's pretending to be Becky. Yeah. Uh, and then she gets a message. She get Becky gets the message that she, their boyfriend broke up to go out. Or, or no, he's the other girl. Whatever the case is, his boyfriend broke up to go out with Becky. He slams into a car because she, he's emotionally compromised because of this terrible situation. Then he drives off, hit and run. And it, this could happen to you. You can have a hit and run because of something bad. You know, he's got wow. nothing to do with anybody. It could be bad. Wow. This sounds exactly like an extortion ad. He even talks like a mobster. Yeah, I didn't realize it the first time. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, that's the beauty of doing audio only. When you when you don't have the video to uh, to distract you, then then it really all comes uh, it all comes together. Wow, amazing! Uh, Gitmo Nation is an awesome place to be. It's great. So, um, one of our producers sent me an ad. 
in a uh, in a local newspaper. Uh, this has to do with the demon drink, and uh, it's uh, this newspaper is uh, geared towards the twenty one to thirty five year old uh, crowd, and uh, I think this newspaper might even be distributed in bars. The ad actually has a guy holding up a sign that says, "You got thirty four hundred dollars." Well, then don't drink and drive. So they now actually have the price of the scram bracelet, the interlock device, and what it will cost you if you're, uh, if you're caught. $3,400. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Now, I, of course, do not advocate drinking and driving, but the scam they've got behind this thing, it, just, it, it becomes so blatant when they've got a guy holding this, literally holding the sign. It's going to cost you $3,400, and we know what it's for. That's why people won't be able to, you know, you keep, you introduce the, the price and the whole thing. So then everyone's used to it. And so no one can be outraged by it. Yeah. It's just a slow process of introducing people to something. And, and you, there's no, obviously there's no outcry because it's like child porn yeah, exactly. and all these other things. Oh, you can't, oh, what are you advocating people driving around yeah. drunk? Yeah. You can't talk about it. That's, so you can't talk that, about it. Because so so you're crazy. You're a crackpot. And then you keep introducing this other piece of information is thirty four hundred bucks, and so now, so a year later, this is not a federal start, fine. This is just this is the commercial yeah, industry. It's just the overhead. It's yeah, overhead. It's commercial industry. And so, when a year later, if you say, "Well, gee, this is a ripoff," well, it's been going on forever, and you're now you're saying it's a ripoff. Yeah, you're 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 living under a rock. Um, you can't win with these guys. The system is too powerful. We can't stop it. It's taking our right, away our right to free speech. So, so underneath, <laughs> under, I'm just gonna, you know, it, just giving government workers twice as much money as <laughs> you, you are so pissed off about that. So underneath the uh, ad is a little logo, Checkpoint Strike Force, with a with a handprint uh, in red. Checkpoint Strike Force. I like the red handprint. Yeah, so go it's a to sign of like some communist revolutionaries well, in, in the South America. Well, go to checkpointstrikeforce.net while I play the commercial, uh, which is uh, on their homepage. Checkpoint. The Freedom motorcycles provide is virtually limitless unless you're drinking and riding. There's no way to hide it. If you ride impaired, you will get busted. D.C. police are on the hunt for drunk riders and speeders right now. It's zero tolerance in D.C., so stay within the legal limits. Checkpoint Strike Force is back with a special interest in motorcyclists. Drunk riding over the limit under arrest. A message from the District Department of Transportation and the Metropolitan Police Department. You know, I'm all for the message, but uh, wow, you really put it in my face like CSI Miami. And then they got some guy here, some tough-looking black guy with big jaw, with a big jaw, that the red hand. <laughs> Checkpoint, Checkpoint strike, strike force. force. There's some opera, obviously some some scam at some organization that's getting government money. Uh, an intensive law enforcement mobilization to get impaired drivers off our roads. Stopping over 500,000 drivers last year at sobriety checkpoints. In other words, you're inconveniencing the public. Let's put it, make it, let's call it for what it is. Uh, yeah, assuming everybody's a drunk, 
Using checkpoints and patrols when the, where drunk driving is most likely to occur outside of bars. They might just hang out. Why don't you just let me give a little advice to these? You, well, let's skip skip the middleman. Why don't you just take the entire police force and instead of preventing robberies and murders and all these other things that go on, just hang out it, it, like you know the cab lines. You go to a, like a fancy <laughs> disco and there's a bunch of cabs waiting to pick you up about two in the morning to take you home in New York City. This is very common. Just have a, a, a whole lineup of cop cars, kind of similar to the taxi. And then as people stagger out of the bar or walk out of the bar or whatever, follow them with the car, you know, just go on the same thing. And then if they get into a car or if they look for their keys or anything, just bust them on the spot. Yeah, bust them right there. Yeah, well, that's already happening. Yeah. Well, they they should institutionalize it. Put the police right in front of every bar in town. I think Hang this is actually right happening, John. This is not a dream you're having. This is actually taking place. And if you have the keys in your hand, you get arrested. If you have a thought crime, you, thought you, crime. even yeah, if you want to go crime. up to your car and sleep, you haven't driven, in. you haven't gone an inch. Uh, so uh, checkpointstrikeforce.net is registered. It's another way to get extract money from the public, you know, that is trying to, you know, just live. Oh, they've got a, a link here. Myths. Uh, Myths. You know, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm all for uh, really it, the drinking and driving is really, really bad. It's, it's a very bad practice, but there are other ways to educate the public about this, and this is just checkpoint crap is just pissing me off, and calling it a checkpoint, and, and they're, they're rolling checkpoints, by the way, so they'll set up, uh, and then they, and a half an hour later, they'll roll up to another part of town, and they just keep checking you, checkpoint, 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 strike force, you'll be checkpoint, uh, slave. Yeah, well, that's part of the neo-prohibitionist movement, too. Wasn't it, uh, wasn't Smartronics the company that built the, the $18 million website? Yeah, I think it might have been. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, don't, I can't say for sure. I think it the was. $18 million, you know, link. Yeah, I think, I think they built uh, recovery.gov. It's possible. Yeah. Um, I'd have to go back and listen to the show. Well, but. no, no, we can, let's just check that now. Hold on. Smartronics recovery.com I'm pretty sure those are the guys uh, yes okay yeah Smartronics uh, built uh, the 18 million dollar recovery.gov website they have yeah. just acquired Kogan Systems LLC and that means to me uh, that is the company that Vivek Kundra and uh, and what's the other guy Anish Chopra yes that they both worked at uh, before coming into the administration well, big shocker. Corruption. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was kind of an interesting little find. They they literally acquired the company that these guys came from. Yeah. No shame. It's absolutely no shame. No, they, why bother? Nobody cares. Nobody calls them on anything. Everybody thinks these two guys are heroes. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, because uh, they use skip logic. Because they use skip logic and they don't speak in binary and COBOL. And uh, we got to play that clip more often. We do have to play that more often. Okay, so there's a new super bug in the United, King- in the United Kingdom, uh, which, of course, will require drugs. And, uh, and there's lots of stories about this, and it's very easy to deconstruct. If you want to learn how to deconstruct a story, you just read through it. So the, uh, the, the main story here... A new superbug could spread around the world after reaching Britain from India. 
uh, by the way, it can't go from India in any direction. It can only go from Britain to the rest of the world. Uh, but in part because of, and here it comes, medical tourism. Scientists say there are almost no drugs to treat it. The science is in! It's M- NDM1, which is a great name. NDM1 makes bacteria highly resistant to almost all antibiotics, including the most powerful class called carbonems. No, I'm sorry. Carbapenems. Experts say there are no new drugs on the horizon to tackle it. Um, so, of course, what this is about is uh, is about the medical tourism because the uh, the system in the United Kingdom, uh, their national health service, is broken. It sucks. And people are going away to go and get health care in better places where you actually get served. You know, there are people on waiting lists, for, you know, for important stuff, you know, six months, a year, Here's a link to a YouTube months. report. You got a YouTube report on this? Yeah. Mm, okay. Uh, let's uh, have a little listen then. Oh, NDM1 superbug. Let's hope we don't have a pre-roll. Could a newly identified gene mutation be responsible for a new class of drug-resistant superbugs? British researchers say it's possible. According to ABC News, researchers say a group of plastic surgery patients who traveled from India or Pakistan back to Great Britain returned (laughs) carrying bacteria which has an antibiotic-resistant superbug gene known as NDM1. NDM1 stands for New Delhi Metallobetalactamase. AFP quotes researchers as saying that a new class of superbugs could spread worldwide. The New York Times quotes experts calling the gene mutation worrying and ominous. According to AFP, researchers first discovered the NDM1 gene in 2009 in a Swedish patient who was hospitalized in India. Scientists are said to be especially concerned because NDM1 bacteria are resistant to even the strongest broad-spectrum antibiotics reserved to treat multi-drug-resistant bugs. In an article from the journal The Lancet, researchers in Britain noted that NDM1 can easily be transferred into common bacteria such as E. coli. This is great. I think just in time now that the uh, World Health Organization has declared the swine flu pandemic over, I think it's perfect timing to, to bring up new, a new superbug. Why do they call it a bug? It's a bacteria. It's yeah. not an insect. <laughs> It'll soon be in your diet. I don't know. I don't either. I don't we'll know. figure it out. Anyway, obviously it's a uh, something. And, of course, they've been trying to stop the outflow of patients to India because the hospitals there have the same Indian doctors they have in England, but they're cheap, you know, one-tenth the price. And uh, this will keep, this will put the clamp on it. The Indians are going to have to scramble to stop this. Well, we'll see. This will unfold. This will unfold into something very obvious, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, we are we're okay. We yeah. caught it early. Yeah, early, yeah. And we will uh, stay on it because it's obviously going to be a major thing along with... Uh, uh, tuberculosis, uh, resistant to uh, drug-resistant tuberculosis, and uh, the next uh, iteration of the swine flu. And the whooping cough. Don't forget the whooping cough. We've yeah, got the whooping cough. Yeah. yeah. Now we got, yeah. now we got a vaccine coming for that. And the British. But there's always been a vaccine for whooping cough. Yeah, but now it's going to be something we need to have. You, your kids won't be able to go to school without it. Just another needle. That's what it's about. It's the drug companies. They've got nothing left to sell. They've become so desperate now. They've infiltrated the British Heart Foundation who now say fast food outlets such as McDonald's and Burger King uh, should consider handing out statins with uh, their hamburger. 
it would only cost 5p a customer, similar to a sachet of ketchup. <laughs> a statement, of course, is uh, to fight cholesterol. Uh, but I think it's kind of for people who have real cholesterol issues, and I don't think it should just be a pill that you get with your hamburger. But this is what the... Uh, this is <laughs> I like what, the idea. It's pretty good. A state in yeah. a day, and this is, this is just selling drugs. They're pushing drugs. A state in a day can neutralize the risk of cardiovascular disease linked to a daily intake of a seven-ounce cheeseburger and a small milkshake. This is the How calcul- about uh, getting people off the cheeseburgers? Yeah, no, 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 no. No, we don't want to ruin the industry. No, we, we just need to amp it up. This is great. This is so you smart. You eat twice as many burgers. They're, this is actually what they're saying. They're saying, you know, go ahead, eat your burger, and just take the pill. It'll be fine. It's going to be great. This is Brave New World stuff is what this is. This is great. It's it's just awesome. Very very smart. It's a sick world. Well, then let's do this. No no oh. no, no no. Before we do that, because I know where you're headed, mm-hmm. I want to play at least one more clip. Sure. Just to bring up, uh, just kind of a funny thing, because actually there's a clip and a clip. But play this Obama sports clip first okay. and then i want you to follow up with the back to school tax-free clip okay with some commentary in between yeah okay president obama makes no secret of his affinity for all things sports in the washington post dana milbank writes about what he calls the jock in chief setting a new standard for presidential game playing after a bachelor birthday weekend that included a round of golf with friends hosting what milbank calls a fantasy camp with <laughs> pro basketball legends and welcoming the reigning Super Bowl champions to the White House Monday. Unofficial presidential chronicler Mark Noller's numbers reveal President Obama has left the White House on 16 occasions to play basketball. In addition to countless times on his home court, he's played 44 rounds of golf, gone fishing and played tennis. Total sporting related events at the White House, 45. That's about six times the number of news conferences he's held since taking (laughs) office. And notice he didn't go fishing with Ted Stevens. (laughs) Meanwhile, of course, in Illinois, where Obama comes from, there's this, uh, there's a bunch of, it's just a weird thing. It's like, you know, how am I, I don't know. They seem to be taking a lot of vacations and not paying much attention, especially the job creation, except in the government. Uh, But back to school tax, this I just thought was funny. And I don't know, you know, just was screwy. And finally, a 10-day sales tax holiday in Illinois saves shoppers 5% off the final cost of qualifying school items. That's the key element. However, you might be surprised to hear what is and is not covered. For example, a thermos does not qualify, but an Armani tie does. Same for a coach belt. That does count. But a geography book? Nope, it does not. (laughs) A computer does not qualify either. However, a piece of lace lingerie will save you 5% sales tax. Not sure exactly what dress code requirements that particular back-to-school item meets. <laughs> but let's spend, let's, spend, tell us to still fuck ourselves? let's spend $18 billion on hiring some teachers for that great educational system. Because that's going to get us out of the economic depression, you know. Mm, that's, what the, yeah. uh, that's what the president told us. Come back from your vacation, you slaves, and vote for this. All right. So anyway, uh, well, I, I, I just was a little aside. No, I, I like that. Just... I like that. Pedo bear struck again, John. Oh, yes, the pedo bear strikes again. Uh, 
two assistant bishop assistants to the bishops in Ireland. Uh, I guess they're called assistant bishops. I'm sure there's some other term for them. They've got some kind of I don't know thing, Monsignor or whatever. Uh, Erman Walsh and Ray Field um, wanted to resign uh, because it's very clear that uh, the the church in Dublin has been covering up pedo bear activities, and the Pope refused their resignation. <laughs> no, you can't resign. You have to stay at your post. You cannot go. Not allowed to resign. Well, the, you know, maybe they don't want him to quit. Uh, they want them to stay. They want the other guys to resign. Maybe that's a good thing. So, okay, you, I think we should I, go I into the... A, the yeah, I, I know what thing. you want. All aboard! Train's good, plane's bad. Woo-hoo! Yeah, one of the biggest categories. Let me start it off, uh, John, with a, uh, a fine commercial for a wonderful children's toy before we get into all the other news about... Uh, the world's fastest train is taking off. Super Turbo Train with Daredevil Jump travels in scale beyond the speed of sound. So fast, it races up a wall and even upside down. So fast, it makes the incredible Daredevil Jump and keeps on going. There's nothing else like it. Take control of the fastest and only airborne train. The new Super Turbo Train with Daredevil Jump from Tyco. Kids, get it for Christmas with the wow. Super Daredevil Air Jump from Tyco. It's awesome. Because that matches nicely in a new story that just broke. Um, or actually the eighth. But uh, did you get this? I don't know if you got your, your how many planes bad stories oh, is you this, got. Is this the tiny town? No, this is the passenger booted for trying to do good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. Uh, she... Uh, so this uh, woman smelled alcohol, she thought, on the pilot's breath? This is Delta, by the way, which is the world's worst airline. <laughs> so a, a reminder for those of you who are new uh, to the program, that uh, Hill & Knowlton, one of the premier PR agencies in the world, is promoting the U- U.S. High... Here they come. The U.S. High Speed Rail Association. And they're doing it mainly by uh, sneaking in reports into your regularly scheduled news, into the regular Ministry of Truth items about how bad air travel is. And uh, so, yeah, this woman who was on uh, Delta, she, uh, she whispered, uh, what's her name, Cynthia Angel, who was a good Samaritan. Uh, she uh, quietly whispered to the head stewardess, you know, I, I, I don't know, this is really weird, but I, I think I smelled um, alcohol on the pilot's breath. And uh, so they took her off. She, you know, she spoke to some Delta officials. They put her back on. Then 20 minutes later, I guess they just kept the plane there. They said, all right, slave, get off. <laughs> get off this plane. You're not flying with us. You're not on the friendly skies. Get off. And they uh, and just took it right off. Of course, yeah. implying that uh, Delta pilots uh, fly drunk. That's what it says to me. <laughs> That's kind of what the implication is there. That's what the, it's kind of what the end game story is. If you're trying to get a story out there, it sounds That's, like. That's what you want. It could be plastered, but they're not, yeah. you're going you're gonna to be the one thrown off. It's an old trick. Salon had a very nice... Uh, little thing they snuck in there uh headline airport security run amok at uh, the checkpoint 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 there's a big sign picture of it here please be advised snow globes are not allowed through the security checkpoint and there's actually a little picture of a snow globe with a red circle around it and a stripe your safety is our priority 
Just so you know, snow globes, now a no-no. Yeah, well, you can always pack them. Um, did you ever get your, did you ever get, get, get your uh, check luggage, even though I rarely do it, but you ever check and then you get the back and there's a, there's a, there's a, a note, note inside? Yeah, yeah, a little TSA note. Yeah, Homeland Security note, actually. Yeah, I've gotten that all the time. Those guys be rummaging through my underwear, touching themselves. Um, before we get to the the main clip, uh, of course, there was, uh, and this is kind of funny, this uh, Steven Slater, flight attendant on a JetBlue flight, who uh, got so pissed off that he uh, ejected out the emergency slide. And the way this was reported on ABC is so filled with memes, John, it, it, it's just crazy. The guy now, apparently, according to ABC, is a hero because he quit his job. Which is like, you know, the whole country is, you know, we're in 20, 25% unemployment. And this guy, apparently, according to ABC News and Michael Musto of the Village Voice, is a hero because he did what everybody wants to do is quit your job in a, you know, in a big fanfare, grab a couple beers and eject out the chute. Um, but when you listen to it, including the guy's ex-wife, it's uh, it's just filled with all kinds of memes that scream Gitmo Nation. Looks clean, doesn't it? Oh. But look, Let's listen to the commercial. Your mouth is no different. Oh, this is uh, a dramatization. But millions of plaque it's Listerine. Germs are left behind. Sorry about this. You know, I have a, the fans should buy you an, an H2. Yeah, well, you know, you the, but there's so many things. I just don't have the time to make the clips out of all of these. You know, and what do you make the clip out of? I have a million clips, and I want to be on. You know, I want to be able to anticipate to jump in and do something. Here we go. His name is Stephen Slater, and if you don't know his name by now, you'll probably know what he did. He is the JetBlue flight attendant who got so frustrated on the job yesterday that he quit in epic fashion. And tonight he is free on bail after cooling his heels behind bars all day. All the while, by, by the way, and this is not. To, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The guy is clearly gay. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but his ex-wife, his ex-wife uh, talks for a moment, and it's really funny. His folk hero reputation was burning up the internet. Andrea Canning looks at how one man's meltdown. It's a sign, sign of, of the times. times. Here it is, sign of the times. Listen. Remember when being a flight attendant was a job of glamour and adventure? (laughs) Service like this, combined with the Clippers' solid comfort. Well, those days are over. Now flight attendants deal with frustrated passengers who are cramped and cranky. What happened up there? I mean, is this not a total PR piece put together to show you how air travel has become cramped and cranky? It's just crap. Enter America's newest folk hero. Stephen Slater, the now infamous JetBlue flight attendant, isn't being praised for saving anyone's life or averting disaster, but because he lost his cool when an unruly passenger tried to get her bag and hit him on the head. When she didn't apologize, Slater got on the intercom, started swearing, and had these parting words. I quit. That's it. I'm done. And uh, I thought that was the end of it. Until his triumphant exit, which can be heard on this airport radio traffic. We just had a Let me tell you, this piece is so well produced. It is so well put together. They've got video of everything. They went through all this trouble. This is a PR piece, completely. Yeah, it's, it's probably a, complete, a video press release. A total, yeah, and they've got pictures of him next to the model of the JetBlue airplane. We activated the emergency inflatable chute and slid down the tarmac, but not before grabbing a few beers for the road. <laughs> I think he just 
had a his mom. very small meltdown. <laughs> and I think he deserved to be able to have that meltdown. Yeah. And it isn't just his mother who's on his Here, side. Check it out. For people who have been pushed to the limit, Steven Slater. This is Michael Musto of the Village Voice, who is a douchebag. Is a hero. He's somebody who said... I'm out of here. And he didn't say I'm out of here until he told everybody off over the loudspeaker. And the best thing about what he did is that he proved that the emergency shoot actually works. Just a day wow. after his best tarmac thing? tantrum. The the bu- wow. I mean, isn't that... So we were in doubt until then. Yeah, so because, you know, uh, gee, at least when we crash, we know we can get off if we're not dead. Thanks, Michael. Buzz around the water cooler seems to be much in his favor. There are Facebook pages with tens of thousands of fans and blogs giving him virtual pats on the back. There are even T-shirts for sale. This is a major personage of our time. I'm going to go home and follow him on Facebook. And by the way, this this shot of Michael Musto, completely styled, black backdrop, beautifully lit. It's so, so produced. Immediately, I'll even follow his tweets. Slater spent the day being arraigned in a New York courtroom and sitting in jail, waiting to be bailed out. Does he know that he's become somewhat of a folk hero overnight? He has thousands of fans on Facebook now. I don't think he's aware of anything. He's been isolated from any news. He didn't know about the news coverage. Could Steven Slater have done what we've all dreamed of doing at one job or another? Anne Hathaway has a great quitting scene in The Devil Wears Prada where she can't take any more of the b They cleared the rights for this scene from the movie. Well, it takes a minute. Yeah. Reading. No, it costs money is what it does. It's expensive. She finally just throws her cell phone in the fountain and walks away. I was thinking, keep the job. We want a sequel. This fantasy of storming out of work. They cleared this with office space with Jennifer Aniston. In a blaze of glory has been a recurring theme in movie after movie. Jennifer Aniston's character, Joanna, in office space wasn't wearing enough buttons at her job. I hate this job. I hate this job and I don't need it. And network? Well, this one is enough to make any news reporter a little nervous. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! Network is the iconic I'm quitting scene. Peter Finch deservedly won an Oscar for it. Unfortunately, he was dead by the time he won, maybe from the rage. This character has more rage than Mel Gibson, but expresses himself way more poetically. Only time will tell if Steven Slater turns into another Howard... And here comes his ex-wife. ...heel, inspiring others to follow in his footsteps. Slater just said, I'm not taking it anymore. This is it. This is the last time. And that's why it's such a fantasy that people are glomming onto. It's like, oh, we wish we had that in us to tell people off and just walk away and take two beers. That's the important thing. He definitely exited in a grand fashion. (laughs) He is a dramatic fellow, so um, I wouldn't expect any less of him. Slater. The ex-wife says he's a dramatic fellow. (laughs) <laughs> Drama queen. Yeah, well, listen, and here and now he's going to talk, and it's like, oh, okay, I now get faces it. Faces up to seven years behind is. bars for his stand, but he didn't slide into notoriety without these parting words. It seems like it's something here has resonated with a few people, and that's that's kind of neat. It's kind of neat. <laughs> oh God. So let me. There's a couple of things that need to be pointed out, please. One of the specious argument that he told off his bosses and quit. He didn't tell off his boss. He told off the passengers. passengers. Yes. The people, he didn't go into the offices of JetBlue and scream at the CEO and quit like any of these people that they exemplified. So that's bull crap. Yeah. The second thing is you think it's a coincidence they keep mentioning this beer. Oh, he took two beer. Hill and Knowlton, they now are leading Dos, Dos Equis brand. Uh, they, uh, Heineken oh, yeah. selected them to do it. So there's a beer meme in there that's obviously been slipped in because this piece was produced pretty much 
under the direction or with the help of Hill and Knowlton that and because it was a slam piece and it was never of course they didn't have the train meme in there which is would have been a would have been too much yeah that, that would have been too over the top drinking beer yeah and they got their you know their their anti airplane uh, meme in so yeah but it's bullcrap he, he he told off the passengers he didn't tell off the company. And, I'll, and also, I don't and know. Right, by the way, and here's the thing that's weird about it. This guy must have been working there long enough to know that if that woman swung a bag and hit him in the head, he could have had her hauled off yeah. the plane. Thrown off the plane. Thrown into custody. Yep. And her life would have been miserable. But instead, he has a hissy fit. Maybe the guy was a plant, too. Who knows? I don't know. I'm beginning to wonder. Yeah. All right, then we have the clip of the week, which, of course, uh, this is the uh, Trains Good, Planes Bad clip of the week from Rachel Maddow, our friend from uh, MSNBC. First, Happy New Year. Also, happy largest regularly anticipated human migration in the world. It is Chinese Lunar New Year on Sunday, which is also the world's largest movement of people from one place to other places. Chinese Lunar New Year in China is, is called the Spring Festival. It's the most important holiday on the Chinese calendar. And as people all over the world do on important holidays, the Chinese travel for this holiday. A big majority of China's 1.3 billion people are expected to take at least one trip for New Year's, totaling more than two and a half billion excursions. The good news for these billion or so travelers, this largest mass migration in America, in, in American, in, in world history, uh, is that this year some of those trips will be a lot shorter. Uh, in the last four years, China has spent more than 185 billion dollars on high-speed rail, Yay! just on trains. But all of that investment means is that within about two years, China expects to have 42 new high-speed train lines. For comparison, here in America, we won't even have our first one. We're expecting our first high-speed rail line two years after the Chinese are expecting 42 of them. We'll get one within four years. China will get 42 in half the time. Our one little high-speed rail commitment will connect Tampa and Orlando, Florida. China, on the other hand, has major train routes planned to link all of its major cities. The superfast trains average about 215 miles an hour. That would be like traveling overland Dallas to Detroit in six hours. Birmingham to Indianapolis in a little over two hours. Boston to New York in an hour. awesome if we were doing that instead of China. I'm sure if we tried, someone would filibuster it. How long does it take to get from Boston to New York? 45 minutes. I well, can do it in an hour with a high-speed train. <laughs> and the way she says it so dramatically as though it takes days to go there. Uh, high-speed train. You know what's it next? 45 minutes. And by the way, we do have a high-speed train. It's called the Excella. It and runs up and down the eastern seaboard. So she's full of crap on that. And the fact <laughs> that the story was obviously designed for the, you know, to, to propagandize Americans is the re- was given away by the fact that she dropped America in as a, as a flub. Flub, yeah. It yeah. was on her mind, so she's the big, greatest in the history of America, of, of China. She's a uh, shill. So she's, so she's a total shill. She should be ashamed of herself for pushing this crap. And the editorializing. You know, she doesn't care what we think. <sighs> 
uh, wouldn't it be great? But of course, the Republicans would filibuster it. <sighs> yeah, that was the punchline. <sighs> yeah, the Republicans would filibuster. If you know, the Chinese would love to have our air transport system. You know, where you get basically because they wouldn't have to wear diapers on their high-speed trains because they won't let them poop. It's true. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's inconvenient. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. <laughs> oh, Are you there yet? Hey, I have an end of show clip that I'd like to play. Did you ever find out who did the other end of show clip? I still don't know. Uh, we're gonna I have to play know. it again yeah. until somebody can tell us who it is. I'm gonna play uh, John Pilger today. Uh, it's about a five-minute clip uh, titled "Obama is a Corporate Marketing Creation." It's a good little clip. Hmm. Okay, I think you like that. Okay, John. So uh, we'll be back Sunday morning for early morning service. Yeah, and I want to remind people to go and give us a hand here doing this thing and help us continue doing this show by going to Dvorak.org slash NA and uh, donating something. If you're on the mailing list, you probably got a letter this week asking uh, to uh, help us out with more $5 subscriptions. And uh, sorry we ran a little bit long, but uh, just had to get those... uh those trains, good planes, bad clips in. It's very important stuff. Yeah, we got to get the show shortened up. Coming to you from uh, the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West in the People's Republic of Southern California. I am the former Soviet spy known as Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, we can't prove he's a spy or not, uh, so we don't care. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Sunday right here on No Agenda. clever young man who recently made it to the White House is a very fine hypnotist. Partly because it is indeed extraordinary to see an African-American at the pinnacle of power in the land of slavery. However, this is the 21st century, and race, together with gender and even class, can be very seductive tools of propaganda. For what is so often overlooked and what matters, I believe, above all, is the class one serves. George Bush's inner circle from the State Department to the Supreme Court was perhaps the most multiracial in presidential history. It was PC par excellence. Think Condoleezza Rice, Colin Powell. It was also the most reactionary. Obama's very presence in the White House appears to reaffirm the moral nation. He's a marketing dream. But like Calvin Klein or Benetton, he is a brand that promises something special, something exciting, almost risque, as if he might be radical, as if he might enact change. He makes people feel good. He's a postmodern man with no political baggage, and all that's fake. In his book, Dreams from My Father, Obama refers to the job he took after he graduated from Columbia in 1983. He describes his employer as, and I quote, a consulting house to multinational corporations, unquote. For some reason, he doesn't say who his employer was or what he did there. The employer was Business International Corporation, which has a long history of providing cover for the CIA with covert action and infiltrating unions and the left. I know this because it was especially active in my own country, Australia. Obama doesn't say what he did at Business International, and there may be absolutely nothing sinister. 
but it seems worthy of inquiry and debate as a clue to perhaps who the man is. During his brief period in the Senate, Obama voted to continue the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. He voted for the Patriot Act. He refused to support a bill for single-payer health care. He supported the death penalty. As a presidential candidate, he received more corporate backing than John McCain. He promised to close Guantanamo as a priority, but instead he's excused torture, reinstated military commissions, kept the Bush Gulag intact, and opposed habeas corpus. Daniel Ellsberg, the great whistleblower, was right, I believe, when he said that under Bush a military coup had taken place in the United States, giving the Pentagon unprecedented powers. These powers have been reinforced by the presence of Robert Gates, a Bush family crony, and George W. Bush's powerful Secretary of Defense, and by all the Bush Pentagon officials and generals who have kept their jobs under Obama. In the middle of a recession, with millions of Americans losing their jobs and homes, Obama has increased the military budget. In Colombia, he is planning to spend $46 million on a new military base that will support a regime backed by death squads and further the tragic history of Washington's intervention in that region. In a pseudo-event in Prague, Obama promised a world without nuclear weapons to a global audience mostly unaware that America is building new tactical nuclear weapons designed to blur the distinction between nuclear and conventional war. Like George Bush, he used the absurdity of Europe threatened by Iran to justify building a missile system aimed at Russia and China. In another pseudo-event at the Annapolis Naval Academy, decked with flags and uniforms, Obama lied that America had gone to Iraq to bring freedom to that country. He announced that the troops were coming home. This was another deception. The head of the army, General George Casey, says with some authority that America will be in Iraq for up to a decade. Other generals say 15 years. Chris Hedges, the very fine author of Empire of Illusion, <clears throat> puts it very well. President Obama, he wrote, does one thing and brand Obama gets you to believe another. This is the essence of successful advertising. You buy or do what the advertiser wants because of how they make you feel. Unquote. And so you are kept in a perpetual state of childishness. He calls this junk politics. You can take that to the bank. 